Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Big Week in Gaming podcast. And what do you know? It's been a big week in gaming. I'm Intergot for episode 52 on Sunday, the 11th of July, 2021. As always, I'm joined by the official P3 nominated and approved Xbox Hall of Famer and number one challenger to the mantle of the greatest Xbox RPG player in the world, Swinney. Howdy. And the game-loving, grind-hating, pretend-to-quit-coffee-drinking, gamer-anti-gamer and interrupter-in-chief, Mike. Hi. I thought you weren't going to say anything. I'm always like, this is an audio podcast. (laughs) In this week's show, we'll be discussing Nintendo finally announcing the new Switch Pro OLED model, Assassin's Creed turning into a live service, and we celebrate 40 years of Donkey Kong Country with the final of our five-part series on the Donkey Kong Country games with Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Mike, do you know what's something that's really easy? Not Donkey Kong. That game is bloody hard. <laughs> no, the easiest I'm stuck thing. In the first world. <laughs> the easiest thing, Mister Interrupter, is to follow us on socials by searching Big Wig Pod. That's B I G W I G P O D. Yes, Donkey Kong Country is tricky. We'll talk about that later in the show. But Mike, you got one job: spruik the socials. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's our social meme lord. Even though he doesn't post. Uh, Swinney, there's uh, some exciting news that's coming up. For next week. Mm. Yeah, so we have our one-year anniversary of the Big Weekend Gaming <laughs> Podcast. That Woo. is like, that is insane to me, I have to say. Yeah. Even, it, even bigger it, news than that? No, I was, uh, let me, let me just revel in <laughs> this like, a bit more. <laughs> like, we, do, we did this for a year. Stop, stop we did this for a year. Like, so brand. I just want to say it's, it's kind of crazy because it almost, it feels like the, I kind of we started this like a couple of months ago. Yeah, it does. for me. Yeah, and it's like a year already. It's just wild. And as part of as part of the uh, you know the anniversary, so we're hoping to get a new logo and look and feel. So that really depends yeah. on no pressure, Mike, Mike. No pressure. Mike can pull that together. We've know. got a good concept. It's it's actually the scary thing is it's not that hard to execute on, really. <laughs> and no, Mike, actually we're not. Quite we're <laughs> We're not talking about some other Mike. We're talking about the one and only Mike. The Mike in the middle. Um, and hopefully as part of that, I've got a new setup. So mm. hopefully we can uh, also do a bit of a potential Swinny face reveal. Oh, maybe, the maybe. face reveal. This is going to rival when uh, Dream has his face reveal. <laughs> I'll just, uh, yeah, it'll just end up being a Dream mask when we take the Xbox down. I will miss my good old Sele, uh Swinny O2 sound only. Uh, thing maybe one day it will make a comeback after this week. <laughs> no, 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 I'm sure it will. Maybe we can all just go to the consoles that we're shilling, and we can just be representatives of that. <laughs> Not that there's any console walls or anything like that. Yeah, no, no, I'm looking forward to it. I'm the same as you. I can't believe it's been a year. Like maybe it's that I'm constantly changing the setup and what we do and how we do it. It's a new show yeah. every week. Yeah, I'm just, I'm I mean, just like showing more of Mike's <laughs> frame. So I'm being attacked. So anyone who's like in the frame will get captured. <laughs> we also we did start this podcast in the middle of a time compression, you know. So yeah. that's true. It is a bit of a time warp. When I look back at, um, you know, when the Switch got released, it feels like the Switch was released, and we'll touch on the Switch pretty shortly. But like, it felt like it was, you know, ten years ago. Now, it just feels like a different world. Like there was a revision yeah. of the Switch where it really actually shocked me to realize it was only like less than two years old, but it does yeah. actually feel like way longer. So yeah, it it really feels like the Final Fantasy Eight of podcasts. 
<laughs> no, no one will get that who hasn't played Final Fantasy. <laughs> no, I just laughed because Mike didn't say anything. Um, <laughs> so I get, I get no, distracted. No corrections. No. Well, like there's been a lot of stuff in the community actually. Like a lot of the videos have been going off, which is pretty cool. A lot of subscribers on the podcast, which is always really cool. Um, but yeah, Sweetie, what have you been playing this week? So I've been playing surprise, surprise, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. <laughs> You know, because it was mandated, so we had to play it. We had to play but, uh, it and finish it. So you finished yeah. it, yeah? Well, let, let's get, talk about that when we get to the uh, the segment, maybe, to, towards the end of the show. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so we'll chat about that later. Um, so I also started a my PC playthrough of Greedful, uh, which is really, really cool. I've been kind of, you know, wanting to get to that for a while, so I'm a couple of hours into that, having a good, uh, good time. And also... Did, did you say PC the, playthrough? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe I wasn't let, listening. Let, to let, me, can, let me finish <laughs> and it will make more sense. And as part of Stop that, I also, him. as part of that, I also completed the, the new Divest Conspiracy DLC uh, on the Xbox console before and moved on to the PC. So um, I'll, if we get time, we'll talk about that later. But there's a lot going on when we're talking about Donkey Kong today. So mm. we'll see if I get to that. Uh, the only other thing I just want to call out Obviously, still checking to see if Borderlands Three is going to get patched. That's uh, <laughs> going to be an ongoing thing. But also, just uh, some stuff that's okay. on the horizon for me. I've picked. I picked up quite a few new RPGs uh, this week, or new for me. Um, so, Hellpoint, which looks pretty neat. Oh yeah, uh, Immortal Planet, and some games called Empire of Angels Four and Banner of the Maid, uh, which are some strategy JRPGs there. So looking forward to getting stuck into them and eventually back to Mass Effect Legendary Edition and mm. Final Fantasy Twelve on the PC. So that's my week. Nice, nice. I'm playing Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze as well. I won't say if I finished it, just given your instructions. Uh, huge shout out to you, Swinney. I don't give you enough love on the podcast, but... Uh, I picked up, well, sort of picked up. I'm reviewing Ender Lilies for Vooks.net. Um, and wow, I love that game. I'm so into it, man. I love my Metrovanias. And now that, you know, I'm sort of into Dark Souls a little bit. Um, yeah, it's just, it's such a cool game. It's such a cool game. It's really captivating. It's very Moorish for me. So I'm. And I think. Yeah, oh, sorry, it's got your I was just going to say, now that you've played through Dark Souls, when we kind of talk about those those elements of a Souls-like, it's not just always the punishing difficulty. It's yeah. not always the specific, it's kind of, or the stamina barrel. It's, you know, like the drip feeding the lore, it's the enemy placement. It's, you know, kind of almost like the design mentality as opposed to the specific mm. gameplay elements. Yeah, and uh, look, you're going to hate me coining, well, not coining this term, but using this term. I'm going to say it's a Souls-like in the review, because I, I think that probably accurately describes it takes elements from the Souls kind of like mechanics, but there, there's big parts right. that it yep. doesn't use that I feel like is quite integral to the core mm. of a Souls game with my experience of playing one. <laughs> no, no, I agree. I agree with that. But yeah, like just my like, and I won't go into it much. because, you know, I think we'll cover it as a review next week, um, but I'm loving it. Yeah, no, it won't be any surprises. It would be a pretty good score. Um, very cool. I love these indies that come along. They're just incredible. Like, and it just shows, like, what people can do um, when they're sort of unleashing their creativity. Um, other things, like, one little thing that happened this week, I, I tried out Mario Kart Live, given the updates, and my two boys, so they're, like, almost one and three, or almost one and four, I should say. And that that game toy is so cool. Like, it was so funny to see my my youngest one 
like chase after the Mario Kart in the lounge room. It's just absolutely hilarious. It is. It's it's such an underrated toy. I do wonder if it's going to be super popular over Christmas. Um, but outside of that, you know, pre-ordered something that we'll talk about shortly, and also got my Monster Hunter Stories amiibo. It's in the shelf in the other room. I should put it behind me next time. But man, that amiibo—they look really incredible. Like they just look very, very cool. Like very high rating from an amiibo perspective. But if you haven't bought them, unfortunately, they're completely sold out. And already on the secondary market, they're selling for like triple the price of what they were listed. And I actually think they'll go for way more in the future. Like they're probably. You already got your ones, your Rise ones, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. How big's the Magnamalo one for that? Uh, It's huge. Do you you want to talk for a second? I'll go grab it. All right. So, Mike. uh, Yeah. How about I tell people what I've been playing this week? No, well, before we get to that, I was going to ask, (laughs) how many Amiibo do you own? Uh, Oh, more than you think. I actually think I have about 10. 10 of them. Oh, oh you got yeah. 10 amiibo. I'm actually shocked. I think so, yeah. So that's that's my big fat head. It's Beast. pretty big. Sheesh. I think Man. you can Detail still get this one. Cool. This one's really cool, but I have yeah. to say I like the Monster Hunter Stories one more. I think they're I really on, cool. I was on the Australian Nintendo store because you told me about the Hanafuda cards, yeah. um, and they they seem to still be available. So, If you order anything from the store, do you mind ordering me the Hanafuda cards? Because I don't want to... Pay for shipping, and you have to pay. I've already, I've already bought them. Sorry, oh. too late. Too late. <laughs> Far out, man. Fair enough. Fair I enough. Jumped I jumped on it. I'm like, I, I don't know if these things are going to sell out, so I'm jumping on them. I know. That's why. If they sell out, I'm going to be pissed. What Damn. are these cards? So for the uneducated, N- Nintendo us. is a 131 year old company, yep. and really the thing that they were most famous for originally was being a card company. And Hanafuda, it's the game is called Hanafuda, right, Swinny? I, I believe, believe it so. is. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping. I'm hoping this comes with rules. It does. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry, you're gonna hate this. The rules are available on the My Nintendo Store as a PDF. Ah, uh, okay, fair, yeah. enough, fair enough. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a game that they play in Japan, and it, you know you have these Hanafuda cards. So that's what they were most famous for. And then I think in the fifties they did a collaboration with Disney uh, to do Disney themed Hanafuda cards into Japan. Mm-hmm. And they actually learned a lot about Disney's business model and tried to replicate it. And they've been trying to, like, that's what they've been doing for the last 70 years, trying to replicate Disney's model. So, And, and the cards are a bit smaller than your standard playing card size. So, so yeah, like, it, it, you know, as a Nintendo fan, it just, you know, I'm sure you're in the same boat, Swinny. It's just a piece of, like, almost history and, like, hmm. just a really cool piece. The, so, art, the artwork looks cool. And, look, we're going to mention it. If we get a chance well, in the Why don't we delete it from mic. the minute, Mike? Because okay. we do need to like try ah, to give Mike a break God. in that section. So, so they're so retailing think, for $35 yeah, on yeah. the on the and unfortunately the Nintendo Aussie Nintendo store. It looks a lot shorter than Minute Mike, actually. Have you removed things? Yeah, I cut like a quarter of it. Ah, oh, yeah, he'll definitely get through this. Thank you. I, I wish all, I didn't. It, was all, it was all my additions. So we'll get we'll talk about that when we get well, to Well, mine that. were more important, but uh, I was actually gonna pre-record it and then just play it at 1.5 speed. Oh, that's cool. That that, that actually <laughs> would be cool if you did that. And then you just your mouth was up. Blah, blah, blah. Um yeah, so the Nintendo store has the eighty dollar minimum, I think, for free shipping for memory swinny. Yeah. So did you order the Maglamalo? No, no. Oh, okay. No. No, okay. no, I did look around. Honestly, nothing else kind of took my fancy. So I just like bugger it. I'll just pay for the, the shipping. So. Oh, you paid for the shipping. So we could have actually got it. Uh, too oh. late, too late, too late. How much is the shipping E-mail from them? It's like eight bucks or something. That's not bad. No, that's pretty for decent. item like that. That's extremely decent. They actually package everything. Sadly enough, I have something. Of course you do. 
they they package it in a really cool way. Oh wow! Like with like N- Nintendo branded, and it even has like a little Mario inside of it. Oh, it's actually actually cool little box for to keep stuff in. Well, that's yeah. what I kept it just for random shit because it actually is a cool little box. So anyway, anyway, that's Mike. me, Mike. Very nice. Ah, I look. I'm, what did I do this week? So I, I played a bit of uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, of course. Will Will I say have I finished it? I don't know. We'll find out in a second. Because a lot of my time was taken by second. by the. Goddamn game that both of you suggested, which is Ender Lilies. Well, Sweeney suggested right. it. Sweeney suggested it originally. Then you kind of encouraged me to do it. I'm like, all right, fine. I got it. Of course. It's it's really, really good. It's really good. Very addictive. Um, I finished it too, much like you. I mean, I don't want to talk about Ending the details. A? Ending A, yeah. Uh, so, of course, then, as you said, you can go back to the last save and then you can continue doing it properly. So I'm going to do it properly as well. I feel like I might 100% that game. It, it is very good. Oh, I'm definitely going to 100% that, but it does yeah. get tricky to get 100 Like, I've, I haven't used any guides, but Neither, it does yeah. get tricky to 100%. Like, it gets very cryptic, um, which I still enjoy. W- what level are you at? Uh, 83 or something oh we're about 80, the same i think i'm 87 that, or something yeah. like that yeah, yeah. yeah probably about the same area um yeah it's crazy because you get up to a part at the end and then it branches out further i'm like oh my god this game is yeah. like ridiculous there's a few places to go to now there's still there's still probably two or three abilities that i know i don't have because there's there's at least two things that i can't get through there's one I'm ability like, oh, okay. that i think i'm missing uh, okay so, yeah is which it- is crazy that like i'm Oh, I don't know, 15 hours into the game and I'm still yeah, missing. Yeah, about the same, yeah. About 15, ability. yeah. It's like, I know. this is a crazy Metroidvania. It's a, it's a lengthy-ish game, but it, it doesn't feel like it's overstaying its welcome, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it's just, it feels good so far. And even though, you know, the only weird thing, and I guess it can happen with Metroidvania games, is getting ending A was a bit weird. Have yeah, I, I agree. across I agree. it, and I'm like, oh, what the hell's going on here? I didn't even think it was the ending. I thought it was a boss or something. That's why I said I accidentally like, oh, finished the game. I sort of went through, and I'm like, yeah. oh, I ended. Okay, cool. Yeah. See, little bit, little did you guys know that I convinced you guys to buy this game so you can experiment and find out how to do everything. <laughs> so when I go to do my 100% completion achievement playthrough i can just ask you guys well because it's funny because i was asking (laughs) i was asking you questions about oh you know should you invest into this how many points do you get for this blah 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 and you're like just play the game just play the game i thought you had finished the game you were like the guru (laughs) edited out i could ask whatever question i wanted it turns out we're way further than you now so we'll cover it next week because we'll we'll do the review i think by then we'll probably probably both 100 percent of it by then so and I would yeah. have had the written review hopefully up on books by then. Um, so, yeah, no, really enjoying it. You're enjoying it. I think Swinney enjoyed what he played of it and got us onto it. So, all right, well, totally. let's get into the news. And it's kind of a big one. The Nintendo Switch OLED model finally got dropped. It's happening, it's happening, it's happening. Uh, so the revised model. So named in very Nintendo style, the Nintendo Switch brackets OLED model. The announcement came out of the blue on Twitter and YouTube. So I'm just going to run through some stuff and then we'll open up the conversation. So in terms of features, a lot of the things that were leaked and reported on were 100% correct, 7-inch, exactly 7-inch OLED screen, adjustable stand. But a lot of the features that we were hoping for, I think, uh, including a brand new chipset, GPU, CPU, 4K, DLSS, were not there and confirmed to not be there. It will be releasing on the 8th of October this year, the exact same day as Metroid Dread, 
and it retails in Australia for $540 at JB Hi-Fi and EB Games. Current model of the Switch is about $460, $470 to $430, but you can see it on sale a lot uh, at around the $400 mark. In terms of are there going to be midnight launches, I did ask a few of the local EB people that I know. Now, Sydney is in a crazy lockdown at the moment, probably going to last till October. Um, But at least from what they're saying, uh, they don't believe that there'd be any chance of midnight launch and partly due to interest for the console as well. It has not sold out. It's still available everywhere if you want to order it. So in terms of the details, so in terms of the Switch itself, it has a bump from 6.2 inches to 7 inches. Nice. If you just want to quickly visualize it, if you actually look at the Joy-Cons and the little plus button, the current display sits flush just under the bottom of the plus, if you can imagine a horizontal line, whereas the new Switch, it will be above the plus line. So the plus button's like horizontal line. So like it, it is quite bigger. So you're talking about about 25% increase in display area, but it uses the same 720p screen, which is interesting because... If you're actually looking at the screen and I like play very closely, I, I will notice the difference. I will notice that it's less kind of clarity um, in terms of the actual screen. Um, in terms of the adjustable stand, it's very much like the Microsoft Surface. There's a bump up to the internal storage from 32 gigabytes to 64 gigabytes. The speakers have been enhanced. People are saying you've had hands-on. It's noticeable, but it doesn't blow you away, which is a little bit disappointing for me. Uh, it's available in two color schemes as a skew, but that's all the Joy-Cons and the dock. So it's white or black slash neon, red and blue. It is going to be, oh no, actually I correct myself. It's the dock isn't black. I think it's still white, even if you get the neon. Is that right, Swinny? Actually, do you mind checking that? Yeah, I, I'll have a look. I, I can't visualize it. I can't remember if the dock's going to be black or it's all going to be white, even if you get I, the neon, red and blue. I have not seen any pictures of the dock being the color, but I'll check it out now. All right, if you don't mind checking on the neon, red Mm. and blue. Uh, In terms of the size of it, the actual switch itself is going to get bigger. So it's a bit strange. So the width, it's going to be about a third of a centimeter wider. So just from a tolerance point of view, that might mean it won't fit into a lot of cases. Okay, so I can clarify. So the box of the one with the neon, red and blue, the, the dock is black. Wow, so that is interesting. I'm surprised that they've gone to that effort because that means they're producing double, right? Yeah. yeah. White I don't think it would look neon, nice though. Red and blue would have been cool. I don't think it would look nice though. That's you probably reckon why. it wouldn't? I think yeah. it'd be a cool combo. Yeah. And it's also heavier. So it's 20 grams heavier uh, with Joy Cons. Well, you know, either Joy Cons attached by itself. In terms of the dockers we're just talking about, probably the biggest change, like apart from the visual changes, that they've removed the, the, the behind the case. USB 3 port, so they've eliminated that, and they put a built-in LAN port, and they did advertise that, which is quite funny, given that the original mm. Xbox had a LAN port. Um, and they've still got the two uh, USB ports at the front, but they're both USB 2.1. So the current Switch has a USB 3.0, but it hasn't been activated. They've never had a firmware update to activate the 3.0 functionality of it, so kind of interesting that they've always had mm. that. It's a bit rounder. It does seem like they've responded to some of the criticism about scratching the switch. So it's a bit curvier at certain portions just to sort of, you know, smooth it out, make sure that people don't scratch their switch. Um, It it does seem like it's accommodating a wider switch, but then I don't know how it works because they have said that you can use them interchangeably. So you can use an original switch and put it on the new dock or the new switch and vice versa. So I imagine... 
they're saying that in regards to the Joy-Cons because the Joy-Cons have space yeah. there, whereas yeah. your note here about the Hori Split Pad Pro is different because it juts out, you know. Well, yeah, and I'm not sure if it'll fit or not. Like, I just have to see. It'd be really frustrating if I can't use the Split Pad Pro because I kind of just roll with that now. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. The dock, they've said that it's going to be sold separately. We don't know any pricing in Australia yet, but I'm guessing it'd be like 130 Australian dollars, which is kind of overpriced, but that's what it normally retailed for. Um, I think we've covered most of the stuff that's the same. Uh, the one thing I just wanted to call out before we just open it up is, you know, the Switch actually has had a revision. This is the third revision of the mainline, you know, console. And that was back in middle of 2019. So that was what I was referring to at the start of the show. I thought that was like three years ago, but I think the pandemic has just skewed all my mind in terms of how long things have been. I was really debating about getting this revision because they actually were using a custom Tegra X1 system on a chip, like uh, CPU. Like that was the one thing that they changed, right? And it bumped it from like nine, like it was like 900 megahertz or something like that to 1.3 gigahertz from a compute perspective, instead of using that power, they just used it to extend the battery, right? That is the exact same chipset that they've got in this model. And for me, like, and and I guess just opening it up, and I'll throw it to mm-hmm. you first, Mike, like, for me, in a really weird way, even though this aesthetically looks different, you know, really cool display that I'm going to love, I kind of almost feel like that first revision that they did, so revision two with the beefier CPU and battery life, was almost a bigger step up. Then the step up from that to this. I don't know. What do you think? Possibly, yeah. So I've, I've got what I assume is the revision because I've got the Mario-themed one, which came out pretty recently. Uh, does it have a big red box or wh- which one did you get? It's the one, it's the latest version that's the the Mario-themed one. Do you want probably, the one that came with Odyssey? No, like, the one, the, the, the Mario-themed oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. looking one. That's yeah, that's the re- yeah, that's the revision <laughs> Which would have been the revision one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably the most recent special one they've it is, had. It is. So I'm assuming it's a revised one. Yeah. Now, what I find interesting is I played mostly handheld, and I obviously did no tests between the original one that I used to have, which was a launch one, and the new red one that's supposed to have longer battery life. But honestly, I, I don't actually really notice a longer battery life coming out uh. of it. I still feel like I'm still only getting the four point something hours out of those games. Now, that's not to say that maybe maybe it's slightly longer and my perception of it is a bit skewed, but I'm just not feeling that nine hours that you kind of expect. In fact, relatively speaking, having played similar games, I'm not really feeling that it's that much different from my original Switch. I know it's supposed to be, but it doesn't really feel like it. It definitely is. So yeah, I'm sure it would be, but it just it certainly doesn't feel like it, which is a bit Mm. odd. Um, and I'm assuming because I play on the light as well that it's same sort of lifespan as the light. That the light was was the light more in line with oh, the original I don't Switch. Have, I don't have those specs in front of me. Yeah, I, I don't think, really know either. I think the light's <clears throat> extended as well for memory. Um, but but in any case, it's it's. I mean, having extra battery life, especially for someone that plays handheld, is is very useful. But it's not a huge deal because I mean, you don't generally have gaming sessions that on a switch that lasts five hours. And if you do, you probably need to put it down because your hands are going to cramp in handheld mode. So I never found that to be an issue. You know, you just plug it in, charges up pretty quickly. It's all good. So for my use, I always, so I've got a, I literally got my switch on the first day it was available back in March, 2017. mm -hmm. Like my switch, I always run into battery issues. Like constantly I'm getting the warning coming up saying, you know, turn off, blah, 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 blah. So for me, 
it's going to be a huge change, like way more battery life, you know, the, the yeah, display. Don't, ex- don't expect too too much. Like the way more, it's, it, again, it's probably a perception thing. You kind of just let it go. You forget about it. You're uh, engrossed in the game. And if you're anything like me, you're going to keep seeing that battery meter. It's going know, to keep ex- saying you're low on battery, trust me. An extra two hours <laughs> is pretty huge. Oh, it's huge, but you'll play that extra two hours, you'll forget to charge it, and you'll still see that message come yeah. up. So it's, the, it's, I just yeah. checked the light, so it's three to seven hours, so it's slightly better than the old one, but much worse than the new Less. revision. Okay, fair Interesting. enough. So, so back, you know, back in terms of the OLED Switch, first of all, I called it. I said it wasn't going to be a pro model. I mean, That's I don't true. think it was I think a secret or yeah, anything, yeah, but yeah, I kept yeah, saying, yeah. I don't think it's a pro model. Don't mm. get your hopes up. It's going to be a few revised things, and it's just going to yeah. be... I did probably say that that it was going to maybe replace the existing Switch lineup, but I was wrong on that. It looks like it's an addition to the existing lineup, which makes it a really interesting proposition when it came when it comes to buying it. I think if you already have a Switch, unless you have the first generation, and even then, hmm, okay, maybe the battery life is going to be better. I don't know. I don't know if it's worth the three hundred dollar upgrade. It's not really worth it. If you've got the latest version of the current Switch, I definitely don't think $299 as an upgraded EB Games, which is, seems to be the cheapest option, not including how much you can sell it for on eBay, obviously. That that's completely depends on a lot of factors. But if you're new to the market, I think it's worth paying the extra. So if you're looking at, what yeah. is it, a $70 difference of selling, uh, give or take, well, it's worth the extra money, I reckon. Yeah, if you get sales and everything it. like that, it's quite a... Quite a lot more, really, in in real terms. Um, and well, it, it, I'm assuming they're going to put that put it on sale as well. So it's hopefully well, going to stay relatively in line. Yeah, you reckon they want? We'll see. <laughs> Christmas man, the switch is selling like hotcakes. So okay, yeah. How, how about you, Swinny? Like, because I, I remember when the announcement came out, and I was like, "Holy moly!" Like, there's I didn't I hadn't watched it. I just knew. Okay, it's a new switch because it said Switch OLED model, and I'm like, "Oh my god, there's a new switch." And I sent it to you guys. We probably mm. should have recorded something. It was kind of dumb on my part. I'm not thinking like a content person, but how did it hit you, Swinny, when you watched the announcement? You know, because I don't think you knew what it was when you were watching the video, right? I mean, yeah. So I think I'd actually read an article before I watched the video. Oh, so okay. you always do that. You missed the spoiler. <laughs> no, I just wanted to quickly get, because I know Nintendo, like, I knew it was just going to be something of some some hipsters on a rooftop doing <laughs> stupid stuff. So I just wanted to get the quick specs just so that I could absorb it quickly. Um, honestly, look, it is what it is. It's basically, to me, it's like, you know, the equivalent of like the 3DS XL kind of upgrade where it's essentially mm. just a bigger screen with a couple of minor improvements, but generally the hardware is is the equivalent. The, the couple of things I just wanted to mention that we didn't really call out was yep. um, the fact that there's been no mention at all of any changes to the Joy-Con hardware. Oh, they've, so, they've confirmed there's no changes. Yeah. So that basically means that the any issues to do with drift would essentially still exist, yep. which is to me just an absolute just travesty. Um, because that is to me the biggest failing of the switch hardware. Mm. Um, and also the fact that, you know, like because it's wider, some accessories may not actually fit anymore, depending on how tight the case the carry cases are and yeah. things like that. It's a very minor increase in width, but some of them might be really, really snug. So just to just kind of maybe just check that before you kind of run out and purchase it if you're planning on using the same stuff. And apparently Labo may not fit as well as well. Considering you've got to slot the, the switch into some of that stuff. Oh, but so yeah. Labo won't work correctly because it also lines it up to the display itself 
in a yeah. lot of games. So given the display is bigger, Labo in most cases won't be able to be used on this. Yeah, I don't think most people are probably going to worry too much about that. Yeah, I, I, I don't think in 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah people it's, really it's care day. about Labo. Um, yeah, <laughs> but so it's weird that Nintendo didn't worry about that. Well, they did mention it, but what are they going to do? Not upgrade because of Labo? Yeah, because exactly. no yeah, one yeah. even plays it. So I look, it's obviously disappointing that there's not more to this. Mm. Um, I've A lot of the rumblings I've heard around, okay, what was going on with this reporting? Because, you know, Bloomberg is very reputable. Yep. And the 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 idea of how, you know, specifically, you know, we got the seven inch OLED screen, we got the new kickstand, um, which is great. I think the stand is one of the best improvements to have done to this. Oh um, really? Because the, the existing stand I just just so crap it's on the pointless. Switch. Like, I've had so many issues with that. Um oh, do you try but, to use the stand? I've used well, it before as well. It's not like great. A, when I'm on like a plane or something, really? I've tried to wow. use the stand and it's just awkward as hell. But uh, yeah, just in terms of the other stuff that didn't come to fruition, specifically any 4K or DLSS stuff or the new chipset itself, a lot of the rumblings I've heard is that there's two potential lines of information here. So the line of information about this the this essential OLED model Mm. and the, a potential model for 2022. So that's the rumblings that I've heard is that the, the lines potentially got crossed there with Bloomberg getting potential information from multiple sources yeah. talking about different models of the Switch. So mm. don't think that, look, it could never happen, but there is a chance that we may actually see the upgraded chipset when it actually makes sense, like makes sense with the current environment, with the the chip shortages and stuff like that you know that just i remember when we talked about that the idea of them of going that route this year seemed kind of crazy with all that stuff happening um but yeah in terms of it would i pick this up uh no if they had fixed the joy cons then i would definitely would have considered it because i do like the changes that made to the dock but there's part of me that's also thinking if the existing model sits pretty nicely in the dock even like not even talking about the Hori Splitpad Pro. I was looking at getting a second dock potentially in the future anyway. Okay. So maybe I'll pick that one up or maybe the maybe the older docks will like, you'll start to see a lot of them going for cheap and I can just pick one of them up. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know because I've pre-ordered this. I'll definitely pick it up. I, I have to voice my frustration if I'm lucky enough because Sydney is in such a brutal lockdown at the moment. If I am lucky enough to go to PAX, the timing is perfectly imperfect so i'm like on a plane like half an hour before this becomes available to to purchase and pick up so i've ordered like metroid dread amiibo special edition switch oled everything and it's all going to be sitting in my local eb until i get back from melbourne why <laughs> so, don't you get them to transfer the I pre-order think, I, I i honestly think i will i think yeah. i'll call up like it makes more sense i think i'll cancel it all and well, the Amiibo, but then I'll have to just get the Amiibo when I'm back. But yeah, I think I'll cancel it all and then just do it all at at a local, I won't say which one, a local EB to, to Sweeney probably. So anyway, that's frustrating. But I, I guess I'll do that. I mean, the benefit is, and I'm really glad that it isn't like sold out straight away. Like that's such a good thing because it's such a pain in the ass with the PlayStation 5. You know, like you have to be like ready to buy one within 30 seconds on it getting released it's ridiculous the ps5 I, th- I think it's also testament to the fact that it's not wowing a lot of people in terms of the 100 the upgrade 100 like there's a lot of people that will pick it up but it's not going to blow people's socks off and 
I, you know, going back to what you're saying, Swinney, I, I went back and reread Bloomberg's report. Like, honestly, a lot of it's still very accurate and they're pretty... Oh, yeah. They're they're very careful with what they say. The biggest blunder, I guess, is like they're saying pretty much adamant it's got 4K support, which it doesn't, right? It's been confirmed. Mm. It does not have 4K support. Um, And I 100% agree with you. I'd go even further. I think it's 90% 90 chance that there will be a Switch revision in the next 18 months. And I, I do think, like, two things. One, I think it was always going to be lined up with the new Breath of the Wild, and that game has been delayed massively. Like, they don't want to talk about it. That game's not coming out next year. That game's going to come out in early 2023. Um, and I think that's when the new Switch Pro is going to come out. And I mean, I, I did, I've said this all the way through. I think those two things will come out at the same time. There's a lot of bolted on people that just, I don't know, it's almost becoming part of Nintendo now, like a launch Zelda game. Um and yeah, I think that that's when they'll they'll do the revision. And I think part of it is with Furukawa now running Nintendo, he's the most like businessy business person who's been running it. Like it's less on traditions, and he's very much into you know how do they, how can they juice the IP everything like that. And I think they're looking at it and going, we're like selling gangbusters right now. You know the momentum's still keeping up. We can put something out here that will still get people to jump on or get new people to jump across because visually it looks different. I mean, there's a reason why they made it white. They want to make it so clear to people who come in and go, oh, this is a new thing. This is a new Switch thing. And then I look at it compared to, I can't get a PS5. I can't maybe get an Xbox Series X. It's cheaper than them as well. So if you're a parent, you're like, well, this is cheaper. This is new. I'll just go with the Nintendo one. They're more family friendly. Like from a pure business perspective, it makes so much sense. And I kind of am annoyed with myself getting caught up with the rumors because <laughs> I think I tell you all the time, you guys, like I, I'm not a big rumors fan. And I got, I have to admit it, I got fully sucked in and went, I, went against our whole policy. We did. We did. I have to say, I, I have to say it. Would you say you were OLED astray? <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool there's title. Some, some I like be, that there's title. Be, there's, there's been some great puns coming out of all That's a good of one. stuff. That's got to be the title of the show, OLED astray. Um, yeah, like I, I was. And I, like I said, I'm punching myself because I'm always like, don't look at the rumors, you know, take information mm. from the reporters, but don't get sucked in. And I got sucked in. And that Jeff Grubb guy, I... Never will trust anything coming from that guy again. <laughs> and then the fact that he's now going, oh, I always said it was 2022. I'm like, like what? Like, here's a tweet where you said it was going to come out before E3. Come on, dude. Um, yeah. So look, I'm ordering it. So, you know, I'm obviously in the Nintendo show here and I'm getting it anyway. <laughs> but it is a It bummer. makes sense in your case, I think. It makes well, sense in your mine, case. Mine, I think, is actually dying. Like, the fan... If you, I was going to grab the fan to put it in the microphone. It's like, and I'm like, whoa, Man. I actually think, and my solution to the Joy-Con drift is to trade it Time. into EB. And <laughs> yeah, that is what ones. I think a lot of people's solution is. I bought a secondhand Joy-Con and surprisingly it was actually perfectly fine, which is a bit weird. Yeah. Mike, kind Mike of ex- I, I expect all of them. Hmm? I, I'm just saying you also don't believe in wearing a rubber if you're buying a, a Joy-Con, a second-hand Joy-Con. Like, yeah, what? clearly. I'm a risk-taker, <laughs> You are the ultimate risk-taker. No, I figured, hey, it's got a warranty, whatever. I'll test it out. And it turned out to be to, to work perfectly fine, uh, which is kind of, yeah, like I said, it's a surprise. I just I just assume for some weird reason that every single second-hand Joy-Con at EB Games is broken. Yeah, that's what I assume. <laughs> you just assume that's the only reason people would possibly trade one in. 
but so, yeah so so the only the only thing i would say uh, uh about this and you kind of touched on it slightly and i wonder how it's going to be so I, I i can't wait to compare it is i switch between no pun intended my regular switch and my switch light mm-hmm. and you do get sort of like a crisper and almost like a nicer image on the light just because it's more condensed and the resolution is is higher in terms of the pixel density, yeah. obviously, because it runs, runs at the same res, but it's a smaller screen. So now I wonder if the OLED is going to be nicer in many ways, but noticeably more blurry or pixelated because it is a bigger screen. I don't think it's going to be a huge issue, but I'm curious to see what it's going to look like. Yeah, looking, to, looking forward to seeing it on 8th of October. All right, let's move on to the next story. And Swinney, do you want to take this one away? Yeah, so it's some kind of Huge very unexpected. Yeah, very <laughs> unexpected and interesting news um, and very kind of divisive news coming mm. out of the Assassin's Creed camp this week. So we had an article uh, come out from Bloomberg talking about a new Assassin's Creed live service platform or a live service game uh, being in development with being codenamed Assassin's Creed Infinity. And Ubisoft jumped on it straight away once that news came out and essentially officially confirmed it without really talking as much to detail as what uh, Jason Schreier does in the Bloomberg article, Mm. but still confirmed that the project is a real thing. Um, So rather than the, the basic gist of it is that rather than being set in one historical period or location like a traditional Assassin's Creed game, the idea is that this is a platform that will contain multiple different settings and can expand over time. And they're looking at games like GTA Online and Fortnite for inspiration of how to create, I guess, a living online platform of sorts. And there's obviously red flags that start popping up for a lot of people with this, but let's just look at, I guess, the details before we kind of get to what we think of it. This is honestly kind of very like assassin's creed series is very meta in a lot of ways it pokes fun at themselves like abstergo abstergo entertainment which is like the entertainment arm of like the the templar organization they're kind of modeled off ubisoft it's actually really really <laughs> funny in the games they're very self-referential it's quite funny and in in assassin's creed unity the game opens up with a platform called helix that's developed by abstergo entertainment which is basically this thing um, where it's like, okay, you can play in the Crusades or, and it's got the the different kind of games from... Um, it's like the previous Assassin's Creed games set up as like video games you enter in from this Helix platform. So it's almost like that coming to life in a way. It's really, really bizarre. It's like fiction, <laughs> fiction become a reality. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we know that this is several years away. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that's in early development. Uh, it'll be handled by a really... The, the very structured their development between their uh, Quebec and Montreal studios. So typically they would hand, it was like pass a baton style between the two studios over the last few games um, with support from their other studios. Um, and, you know, like I think Ubisoft Sophia and I think I'm not sure Singapore or something. There's a whole bunch of Ubisoft studios that act as support to the main, I guess, Quebec and Montreal studios working on these games. But now they'll actually be working on this together. So it actually, Shry's article also delves into a lot of, I guess, the internal issues that Ubisoft is having and basically says that, look, you know, apparently this is causing some concern about the fact that they haven't dealt with that yet. But overall, just about the game itself, um, look, I'm actually really, really pumped for this. Mm, When I first... When I, yeah, when I first heard 
when you first heard the, hear the term live service Assassin's Creed, you're like, wait, what? You know, I'm not. I'm someone that I'm not a big fan <laughs> of games that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big fan of games that are basically like, okay, you have to like you have to do raids and people like I like my single player experiences. The multiplayer that they've done in the Assassin's Creed games have actually generally been done pretty well, but they're always a small element of it. But what I really, really love about this idea is that we can potentially see like more expanded um stories in some of the existing characters like it's the assassin's creed chronicles um china game um you know like being able to set you know uh, i guess a new story in a three an actual 3d proper game i've always wanted a 3d version of assassin's creed uh china and it's like you could mm. do that you could expand on the existing characters <clears throat> you could obviously take it to new places i it's a lot of it is wait and see because of course it's going to be monetized all hell it's going to be like if you thought monetization in the <laughs> current assassin's creed games is bad this is going to be absolutely horrible yep but i kind of don't have a live service game that i play and if i'm gonna play one this sounds like the one for me um the only other thing i'll say is well that the 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 last few Assassin's Creed games have started to veer into that territory anyway. Not so, not the multiplayer part, but the fact that you have seasonal content as opposed to just traditional mm. DLC. Um, you're seeing updates for Valhalla still that's adding new modes and everything like that. And the idea is, I guess, to expand on that. And it look, it makes sense from a financial standpoint, obviously if it works um, for Ubisoft, because a lot of the upfront development cost in building the platform is has done is done and then you can essentially work on that for years to come mm. but, yeah. yeah look because i'm like a real noob I've, I've never played assassin's creed i'm always looking at picking up odyssey if it goes for real cheap mm-hmm. um just for lols and you know backstory is when he did this really awesome tier list and put a odyssey number one and everyone who's a quote-unquote real assassin's creed fan hates odyssey but like, what's the multiplayer like for Assassin's Creed? So Brotherhood introduced actual multiplayer. They continued that. that on with, uh, I believe Revelation still had it, but Black Flag and Assassin's Creed Three also had it. Um, but they were all they were always side modes, and they were actually cool. Not my thing, but they were cool. But then Assassin's Creed Unity added co-op, and that was that's I think the closest to what this kind of model would be because. I don't see live service being like a PVP. It might have PVP, mm. but I think the idea is, well, almost like your, um, and I hate to say it, but like your Avengers style where, look, it's got a strong single-player element to it, but there's going to be parts that get people to essentially, hey, let's team up and take on this, you know, this this for like destiny basically really yeah, yeah. like there's gonna be that surely it has to be that because the idea of okay i'm gonna purchase microtransactions for costumes you need other people to play with to make that really a value really to put a lot of people so that, that's the part I, that i'm really struggling to understand with this so fully understand the push for making it live service in a way it kind of addresses my biggest annoyance with assassin's creed where you pick up something like valhalla and I was actually really excited when they were talking about Valhalla is going to be shorter. It will be shorter mm. than Odyssey. 
And then it comes out, and like I haven't played the game, but I think how long to beat.com is a pretty fair, objective measure of how long the game is. And categorically, Valhalla is longer than Odyssey. It's actually, I think, the longest Assassin's Creed game. And to me, that's super frustrating. It's like, I don't want a 40-hour Assassin's Creed game. Like, the idea of that is so I unappealing to me. I feel like it's going to be more than 40 hours. Well, I think it's 70 it. hours from memory. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's insane. Like, that is just, yeah. I do not want to play that, right? And that's just me, personally. And I know, like, Swinney loves the series, and that's cool, right? That's perfect for Swinney. But this live service thing kind of intrigues me a little bit because it's just like, uh, you know, that's a, that's you know, it's almost like they're breaking that and chunking that content into seasons, I'm guessing. And you can kind of get into like those small little chunks and play that. But you know, live mm. service games are designed to be longer experiences. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But not Single all at once. Campaign. Not all at once, though. This is the thing for me. It's like. Yeah, the problem is they're designed so in order for you to achieve what you feel you need to achieve, you're going to sink more time than what you would have in well, Valhalla or any of those games. No, no, but they're all designed to keep you engaged for day after day, month after month. They really hyper focused on like monthly active mm. users, daily active users, right? So that's not necessarily to mean like you, because normally with a game, I'll just get into it and just dump, you know, 10, 20, 30 hours in a very short space of time. That's just how I play. Mm. Whereas like, yeah, that's where I look at Valhalla. I'm checking it now. 56 hours for the main story. Well, for I've me, it's a, just way too long. A lot for the main story. I've got yeah. some games for you. It's called all the previous Assassin's Creed games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, They're but even, even Odyssey, man, it's 43 hours. I'm like, oh, this is just like so long. Basically from... Maybe Origins, 30 hours. That's maybe Basically that. from Origins onwards, like the games got super long. Yeah. The earlier games are much shorter if you're, if you're not trying to do everything. But mm. look, I understand what you're saying, but this is going to be something that's stretched out. Like this is going to yeah. have a lot of content. To Over it. time. So, but I still don't understand how this is going to work. I feel like the secret sauce to all these, like, you know, live service games, they're multiplayer. Like, am I confused? Like, are no, there any? No, no they no. are. But I mean, yeah, go, go Swinney. I was going to say, just it's to me, it makes sense because essentially, brother, um, Assassin's Creed is all about, uh, like the brotherhood and actual, like, you know, the hidden ones, like these groups of people it makes sense that you can create your own brotherhood. Okay. You can create your own clan. You can go on raids. Like uh, that's not the stuff I'm looking for from Assassin's Creed specifically, yeah. but there's easily ways you can okay. implement that in. And, so, you know, even when I say this, I have to admit that Genshin Impact is one of the most popular live service games in the entire world. And that's, I think, only single player or at least predominantly single player. So I guess that's an example of, you know, mm. it can work. Well, it can work. And I think oh, I, I, it's funny that, they say that they're looking at GTA Online and Fortnite for inspiration, which makes sense for the online components because they're massive when it comes to online stuff. But I, I would picture an Assassin's Creed game more like the likes of probably Destiny in the sense that it'll have a lot yeah. of single-player stuff, it'll be seasonal updates, etc. But there's a lot of things you need to play with friends in order to achieve. Mm. Raids, that- all that kind of stuff. That inspiration, a lot of that's probably Shrier also kind of interpreting other secondhand information. Maybe, I yeah. think they're probably, when they say inspiration, from a monetary standpoint. From <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Money, this money, is money. a platform that is going to be around for yeah. six, seven years or something kind of thing, you know. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Right. <laughs>
No, I, I, look, I get it. I think, I, I, I think, you know, it makes sense that they're going to go into that direction. It's the next logical step as much as a lot of people might not like. It might turn out to be good. And I think in the end, it's horses for courses. I think there's people who are willing to spend the tens of hours each week potentially required to do those games justice. And then there's other people who are like, no, thanks. This is my worst nightmare thinking of getting into another Destiny kind of game where every single week I have to log in and do raids and coordinate shit with friends and fail the same thing 20 times because i'm not doing it with the right people or i suck or whatever uh, it's, that's my definition of a nightmare when it comes to gaming personally yeah so we'll see it's interesting though because you do look through hey what are the some of the biggest selling games of of the year and there's a huge portion of them that are in live service games now yeah you know like the nbas the fifas they're actually live service games really like the way that they work, and then pretty much the same as like like uh, Call of Duty. Like Call of Duty is probably, from a monetary point of view, the perfect model. Like they actually get you to pay for the version every single year, and then it's really like a live service game. <laughs> like the yeah. way they monetize it, it is from a business perspective, chef's kiss. Like <laughs> you're doing well. Like it's the, amazing. The thing for me is my like to finish up my yeah, yeah. final thought is that from an actual narrative way to handle this, Assassin's Creed is almost like the perfect thing because I mentioned that Helix platform. It's just like I'm surprised this hasn't happened sooner, honestly. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same as you. I'm the same as you. I will check it out if it's free. I don't know if it's going to be free, so we'll have to see how it goes uh, because it'll be kind of funny way to start the series. All right, let's get into our next bit of news. Death Stranding Director's Cut. More info, Mike. Yeah, so Sony's recent State of Play gave us a ton of info about Death Stranding Director's Cut, including what's new and when it's coming. So first up, it's coming uh, to PlayStation 5 exclusively Mm. on the 24th of September 2021. So it kind of sucks a bit for PS4 owners. Um, And it's coming in... And PC owners, like maybe some people on the podcast. That's right, yeah, because we did get it on PC too. I Actually, funny funny you say that because I have a few friends who have it on uh, PC. (laughs) So look, maybe they'll 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 do this uh, for PC later on. I don't know. It's it's weird. It, I mean, I'm sure they'll have a whole bunch of other additions, and we'll talk about some of the the features as as to why maybe they couldn't support some of the stuff on the PS4 platform. But it doesn't really make sense. Anyway, I digress. So it's going to be available for 50 USD. Um, and existing owners of Death Stranding on PS4 can upgrade to the director's cut for $10. And that's that includes the digital deluxe edition. So you get all the extra goodies as well with the $10 upgrade, which doesn't seem like a bad deal, actually, if you already have an existing copy. And I believe uh, you two have existing copies on PC. So this isn't going to mm. apply, but you should still play that game that I bought you. Anyway... <laughs> Again, uh, I so, can you mention that within this one segment? I, I knew, we will come back to it at the end, okay? Yeah, let's come back to it, sure. Uh, so the new trailer also showed off many of the cool new things that um, that are included. Um, and there's no word uh, on uh, if any of the new content or features will be made available to the PC version as we've covered, which sucks. So what about some of the features uh, before we, we before we discuss the, the whole PC thing? Um, so when it comes to new content, there's new story missions, bosses, uh, there's a firing range would look pretty sick in the trailer, um, and there's a fragile circuit racing mode, which is, I, I wonder, I, I didn't quite see the details of whether you can create all your own little roads and create your own or join other players' um, 
roads as well. But it's a really interesting thing to integrate into a game like this, I think. Um, there's a whole bunch of new equipment, including a maser gun, mounted guns, uh, cargo catapult, which I think is going to be a bit of a, a gameplay change, um, being able to get certain cargo ac- across terrains that are really, really tricky uh, to to traverse in the normal game uh there's a new support skeleton a buddy bot i think a buddy bot's going to be really cool so that looks played, so metally solid looked, for it, it totally made it, yeah, solid, <laughs> but it looked awesome so so in the in the in the uh in the current version or the traditional version of the game obviously you had to carry everything on yourself and there's different skeletons that you could have that assisted you in certain ways including more speed better stability etc um and you could also have a little um a little a thing you could pull behind you where you could stack a whole bunch of other containers and the physics was really really crazy well implemented and how it worked but having a buddy bot would make life i think a hell of a lot easier so it'll be really cool to get back into it and try it out um and the last thing was also a jump ramp which is interesting there's a there's a few sections in the game where you can't really cross the terrain with a vehicle obviously like there's a crevice and and all sorts of holes and whatnot so this this could make it really interesting um as, as another way to actually traverse um, and, and get to where you need to. Uh, they've also upgraded melee combat, which should be interesting. I know in the very initial trailer that we saw, um, that looked very Metal Gear Solid-y, you know, the one I'm talking about with the box, where uh, where they sort of... Sh- it, it, felt, it felt like it was almost a level in the original Metal Gear in some sort of underground facility. So I think having upgraded melee combat in situations like that would be really good. Uh, there's new online features uh, with friend play and leaderboards, um, improved visuals. So uh, in terms of graphics modes, there's a performance 4K upscaled at 60 FPS, which is going to be awesome, uh, or fidelity native 4K. This is definitely a game that I would enjoy playing at... Um, at at 60 although it's not necessarily the most fast-paced action so 30 was perfectly adequate um, on my pro when i played it um it's more about how awesome the game looks than anything else um and of course both options will support hdr and ultra wide modes which is really good uh one thing that i'm looking forward to and i will hopefully uh get a chance to try this out soon um is the haptic feedback um and the adaptive trigger support which in a game like this would actually be really cool because the weapons do feel quite different. Um, and I think the way they could implement it with, with a lot of different parts of the game could be really, really cool. Just the um, idea of giving Hideo Kojima access to haptic feedback and haptic triggers, <laughs> oh, just man. knowing just even do? what he did with the original <laughs> PlayStation Rumble. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. To, to me, to me, the cool. Yeah. Um, so the other thing is 3D audio support, which for a game like this, I think is going to be awesome. I was lucky enough to play it with my 5.1 relatively cranked up. Um, so I had the full surround experience and it was it was awesome. Um, it it had some of the coolest songs in just, just, I can't describe it and I don't want to spoil it, but there's certain parts that almost gives you shivers at how cool it was implemented with I the mean, music got- in it. It's got churches on the soundtrack. That's automatically a winner for me. <laughs> um, so what else? The, oh, there's a PS4 to PS5 safe transfer, which I think will be extremely handy uh, for people that have already played the game on PS4, uh, myself included. I, I did finish the game. I didn't finish everything, so I didn't 100% of platinum the game, but I certainly finished the story I built 
most of the roads. Um, I did most of the deliveries. I think there were a few things that I wanted to clean up that I never got around to. So it'd be good to kind of transition to that. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, from what I read as well, a lot of the the stuff isn't necessarily instantly unlocked. You kind of unlock it as you progress through the story or as you get to certain parts. Um, so I'd be keen to see how that works for both new players as well as existing players that have already done the entire game basically are loading up a save file. Will they be able to go to a certain spot and activate something like the firing range, let's say? I'm just assuming that's how it's going to work. So uh, I, I wonder, so from considering hmm. I haven't played Death Stranding just yet, uh, I know that at least on the the PS4 version, I've seen the PC as well, is that the idea of it being a strand game where other plays influence and you find, you know, the equipment they've built and the roads they've built and stuff. I assume all that stuff will kind of, it'll be like a start over fresh for the director's cut so you won't see existing hmm. stuff from from the previous version. Good question. Already in the know. world. No, I, wonder. I think you do. Because why would you have the save transfer otherwise? Yeah, that's true. I also true. love how you called it, yeah. given that it's a strand game, as if this is an established genre. <laughs> this is what we're calling it now. As, <laughs> as, as Metroid is the Metroidvania. This is... No, but it's like the they've gone at length over the years to try to push, and I understand, like, to me it makes sense. It's, it's like an expansion on the whole asynchronous multiplayer of mm. like um, Dark Souls and stuff, but it's going further, yeah, much further than that yeah. to where it's actually impl- really impacting your world in terms of the physical environment. Be interesting. So, Be interesting. Yeah. But yeah, no, the fact that it's got the save transfer, then it would make sense that it, you would jump into the world as it is currently. Um, but I don't know until we get confirmation on that. I think that the pricing is where in Australia we're going to get screwed the most on these kind of things, like with Ghost of Tsushima and with this, because, you know, for US listeners, you know, you've gone from 60 to 70 US dollar games in general. And so it's a $10 increase for you guys. But we had been really competitively priced in PS4 pretty much cheaper in Australia in US dollar terms to buy games. Now we're more expensive in this next gen, like ridiculously so. Like we've totally swing the other way. And what it's I'm practically finding... doubled <clears throat> almost in terms of a lot of launch games. It's crazy. It's crazy. Depends on the game, but yeah. Yeah, and the console. Like you still can regularly get Nintendo games for like 50 US dollars, brand new games. Whereas, yeah, like PS5 games are like 80 US dollars for us. It's nuts i think it's more than that actually we pay uh, 125 on some games which is probably 100 yeah, but, us dollars yeah but i'm that's the most extreme right like i don't think many Ooh, people still counts. like that there's, there's quite a few there's quite a few that i like anyway, human anyway souls is still that amount isn't kind it? of doesn't change my point but uh, i think this you know because it's 10 pounds or 10 us dollars difference i think for us it's actually going to be 20 australian dollars i'm guessing that that's where they land with it and even if you look at the current pricing on the PS store of the director's edition or the director's cut versus what the PS4 version is. It's like a $20 difference um, between those two games. So I'm kind of like a bit annoyed about that. Having said all of that, I'm like almost tempted to buy the PS4 version off Amazon for 24 Australian dollars and then buy the upgrade. And it's just annoying because yeah. I've got the PC version. I don't know. I'm not sure where I land with that. I, I, I'd, ooh, hmm. I'd probably, uh, it's an, it's an interesting one. I, it I'd is probably, a good PS4 game, or like you know PS5 game. Yeah, right? I'd probably play it on on PlayStation if I could. 
Yeah, if I had the choice. Well, it's just going to be money, right? It's like, yeah, I, I don't need is, to buy... Yeah. Well, it's yeah. money and the fact that if they have a friend's play mode now... Mm, well, do we, Swinney, do we so. know all the details of that specifically, though? But he'd I need think. a PS5. No, I don't think we know all the details. No. Yeah, the yeah, player. yeah. Anyway, I'll see how much the upgrade is and if you can still get a cheap copy of Death Stranding. Like, maybe you can even get a second-hand copy for pretty cheap. Oh, probably. Yeah. yeah, you just borrow my copy. All right, let's move on to the next story. Uh, do you want to cover this, Swinney? Sure, I'm definitely the most suitable one for this. <laughs> so we had a, a an event from uh, Nacon this week, the Nacon Connect event that I actually stayed up for um, kind of regrettably because I knew that it would have a lot of stuff that I don't care about, but I knew that they were showing off the best look yet at Spider's upcoming RPG, action RPG still rising. Um, I wasn't expecting a release window, but we did get one, so that's great. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, um, still rising is basically like, also I should say Spiders, sorry, um, that worked on titles like Bound by Flame, Mars Warlogs, The Technomancer, and Greedfall. Talked about them a lot in the last few weeks because of all the Greedfall talk. And it just so happened that we finally got um, some more footage at Still Rising. So Still Rising is coming out for PlayStation 5, the Xbox Series consoles, and PC in June next year, assuming obviously there's no delay there, um, which is later than I thought. So I had Still Rising is one of my top five most anticipated games mm. for 2021 but obviously i missed the mark a bit on that i was it was more of i think of a, a hope because i'm like i just really really want to play that game so the trailer showed off is very much just focused on the the combat of the game um the game has a very unique aesthetic um it's basically i'll get to the premise in a second but it's unlike most other games I've probably ever played is just really bizarre. Um, and the combat style is also quite strange. And it also leads to it looking really, really weird because a lot of the enemies are robots and automatons and they kind of move in a very janky way. And it adds to the fact that this is a, you know, probably going to be a naturally janky game as all Spiders games are. But in, for anyone who doesn't know what's still rising, I guess the premise of the game is so essentially built off the question of, what would have happened if Louis the Sixteenth um, had been a tyrant and then had also created an, a robot army to terrorize um, the <laughs> citizens of Paris? I actually think it's such a cool idea, uh, and you actually play as as uh, a robot as well. But you join a revolution. You're called Aegis, and yeah, it's, it seems really really cool. I know that I was watching an interview from June last year with the president of Spiders and they're talking about how there's going to be more verticality to exploration than they're traditionally in their normal games um, and more unique ways to navigate the environment. So, yeah, I honestly, I was hoping for something different from what they showed at Nacon Connect. What I want to see from Spiders next, um, it's probably not far along enough for this, but I want to see the character walking around the world and interacting with like characters and what it actually looks like from an RPG standpoint, as opposed to the actual combat, because that's not why I play spiders games. I play them to be immersed in the world and the cool storylines, you know, like they're, they're not the most memorable um, plots, but I get engrossed in them. I think they're really, really cool RPGs. Um, I'm not so fussed about the combat. To me, it's more mm. a means to an end. But I'm happy that they're going, they're focusing more on it. They're, I guess, trying to get more, a bit more near Automata, which kind of makes sense with, you know, the fact that you're also playing as a robot. But, yeah, I was um, yeah, I was happy to get more info, but I really, really want to see what this game looks like as an RPG, honestly. 
I love the premise. I don't know anything so about cool. this game. Yeah. I don't know anything at, at all about it, but it's really cool premise. And don't yeah, feel so bad awesome. about you misjudging the launch timing. I had Breath of the Wild 2 as one of the games I'm anticipating to play <laughs> this year. So, and I genuinely believe that'll be 2023. And I think it's 2023. Yeah. I think it wow. will be. I mean, they don't even show it in their upcoming yeah, for 2022. Um, yeah, no, it looks really, really cool. It's a game I definitely won't play. Um, <laughs> but it looks uh, really cool. I don't cool. know, maybe. We'll see. No, nah, like, like I think up. the thing is I only have so much hours, like That's very few problem, hours yeah. to play games. So I... You need- you need to get out of the AAA space sometimes into God. Yeah, no, but trust I've only- me, trust me, you'll learn some stuff. Well, no, yeah, I'm, I'm playing uh, Ender Lilies right now. Thank you very much. That's not a AAA game. Boom, you're wrong. <laughs> Retraction. I want a correction for next week now. I'm talking about 2D indie title. I'm talking about <laughs> double A janky, sometimes B grade games. Well, yeah, we do need to introduce some new segment eventually where it's like we challenge someone else to play a game. And see if we can change their mind on it or something oh, like that. Don't, don't give the power to Mike. We'll be I know, Mike will be a dickhead about it. He gives a butt of virtual <laughs> stupidity. <laughs> That's exactly hey, the example I was hey. going to use. Hey, do not diss that game. It's not a bad game. No, but that's exactly the point of a segment like that. But anyway, all right, let's 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 move on to the final bit of news. So the Mr. gets some massive updates this week. Uh, so in big news for Mr., uh, there's multiple new cores released and some sad news for PS1 lovers. So just to recap on the Mister itself. So the Mister project aims to replicate gaming hardware. So that's consoles, arcade, and also computers like the Commodore 64. And trying to replicate that on a hardware level using field programmable gate arrays or better known as FPGAs. Most of the time, this results in cycle accurate the emulation, it still is emulation, but I just think cycle accurate, accurate replication of what the hardware is actually doing. So you are playing the games as they were sort of like played in the old days, but you can play it on your big screen TV or on an old school CRT like myself. So in terms of the three updates this week, um, so the long awaited and anticipated CPS2 core has been released by Jitago uh, as a public beta. So this has been available on their on his uh, Patreon so we've got the details in the YouTube uh, clip for the Patreon. But essentially, you know, CPS2, what the hell is that? So that's the Capcom System 1 slash 1.5 and 2. So that's games like Street Fighter Alpha 1, 2, and 3, Marvel vs. Capcom, Alien vs. Predator, and then all the variations on the Street Fighter 2 games. All of those games perfectly replicated in hardware form on this little box that you can pump out to your big screen or anything play in lots of different styles, arcade sticks, whatever you want to do. So it's pretty much the best way to play these games now. This makes me super excited and it kind of pushes it across the line that I'm going to have to pick one of these things up. And they are pretty expensive. So once you do everything, it's probably like 600 US dollars to, you know, get the full kit and everything that I would want on it. Um, but as you can see, and some of the other things I'll cover shortly, it's, I think it's pretty worth it. Second bit of news and this is a bit sad for me because I was carefully following this. Um, the other core that was really like everyone was really amped about was the PlayStation 1. So most people believe that you can replicate the PlayStation 1 on a field programmable gate array or FPGA current, like the current ones that they are available. So that's about the cap most people believe. I think, you know, Nintendo 64 and beyond is probably a bit too much for these things to replicate. So there has been a massive Patreon sort of push by Laxa 3A and Ultra 
to replicate this. So there's a big Patreon that's supporting the efforts. There does seem to be a massive fallout between those two devs. So it hasn't really been fully explained, but these two guys are just having at at, at each other. Like they like kind of hate each other now. Oh, it's Mr. Mr. Drama. Mr. Drama. <laughs> that should be the thumbnail. I'll just post it. <laughs> right, but um, so yeah, there's a bit of Mr. Drama, and yeah, like essentially, Laxer Three is just pulled out, and like I'm not going to be on socials. I'm getting off everything. I'm publishing all the code that I've got so far, and I'm turning off the Patreon, which has. I don't know, last time I checked, like three, four, five, six hundred people on the Patreon. So it's genu- like genuine money like being pumped through this. Uh, and then he's basically said, well, Ultra now has the, you know, he has to carry it on and try to finish it as he promised he will. So, yeah, there's a lot of bad blood there, which is really shit because I was really looking forward to that PlayStation 1 core. And I think when, it, like, eventually the PlayStation 1 core will come. And I think when that happens, I think Mr. May hit the mainstream because it's just like the perfect way to get like PlayStation games running on that thing. And then just the final uh, update and another really, really cool one. Uh, This person, Robert uh, Peep, I guess you'd call it P-E-I-P. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. They've actually created a custom core for Game Boy, Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance. So as I said, these are all, you know, cycle accurate, uh, like emulators, but replications of the original and essentially what you can do now is like just say on the big screen TV, you can have two copies of Game Boy games linked together virtually, but like on the screen and play like two player or co-op or versus games <laughs> on your big awesome. screen TV. And I just think this is like so really cool, cool, right? Like you can imagine like uh, Pokemon and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And you can play like and it, it feels, I don't know. There's something about this is where it's like using super old tech and then insanely uh, new tech to bring together like something that just really, really awesome. And just, I think this is the cool thing of Mister in general. Like a lot of this cool shit is coming out and you just can't get in other things like, you know, like a product I have, like the analog. Why would you put a line piece there? <laughs> yeah, we're just, uh, you know, again, Mike not <laughs> understanding where I'm mostly audio there's a te- podcast. There's a Tetris, there's, there's a multiplayer so, Tetris, the Game Boy version playing, and someone put a bloody line piece in the completely wrong yeah. spot. My so, wife is insanely good at Tetris, and this is like shocking yes. gameplay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm waiting for when they can do this for Facebook 2000, because you can technically play 16 players on the Game Boy version. <laughs> and there's actually a Guinness World Record for most players on a single Game Boy multiplayer session um, by having to use multiple link cables and link ports and splitters <laughs> so funny. you could get 16 people playing on the same session of baseball. Maybe you'd have to connect the misters together. So I did do a bit of background <laughs> reading on this. Supposedly uh, Robert had to actually like slim down the core to be able to like have the headroom to run to, I think it was mostly Game Boy Advance because that's a 32 bit console, like handheld, like to run two things simultaneously. Like, yeah, there was a bit of overhead. So yeah, just jump on uh, the Patreon. I've put the links in the description. It, it will show you like how to actually install these. This is not like default into Mister. It's actually something you need to do a little bit extra to get this working, but I, I think it's well worth it. I think this is such a cool thing to do. And it's so cool to see it because the Game Boy and Game Boy Color are just perfect sizes to actually like show side by side on a, on a 16 by nine screen. It's I'm just almost looking, designed for it. I'm just looking at the footage of um, 
Super Mario One was it Mario? Is it Mario DX Two? Oh, DX. Sorry, yeah, DX. Yeah. Um, man, way better <laughs> experience than playing Mario Maker Two multiplayer. Lag free. <laughs> Bloody, on the Game Boy, bloody I mean, color. this is all local to be fair, but yeah, like you're you are correct though, <laughs> you are correct. I don't know, it's just a very cool little thing, and I think like it's just another reason why like Mister's such a cool project. And I don't know, like I shouldn't say this on the podcast, but I've been debating about like selling my analog S uh, Super NT to purchase one of these because um, mm. I don't know if I could justify having. No los dos? I don't know what that means. Why not both? both? Yeah, why not both? I kind of realized that the last second. Uh, It's just like, it's just very extravagant to have two FPGA consoles. Says the man with a 50 Amiibo. Where I got all this stuff in the background. Amiibos, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Look, maybe I'll ask for, you know, a combined Christmas birthday present or something and get it. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it's really cool. Uh, like, I'll do a lot more updates if I do pick up a Mister, which I'm mm-hmm. almost certain I will. But then it's gonna, I'm gonna get screwed because then I'm gonna end up getting a fight stick for all the arcade fighting games, and it's just gonna get you, out of control. You must be one of the only husbands in the world that asks their potentially asks their wife for an FPGA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> honey, Christmas. can I? Have an F- uh, what now? <laughs> I've never, I've, you know, I give my wife a lot of credit. She like. You know, she got the like S uh, the SNES the SD to SNES Pro. Sorry, I should say, and um, you know, the Super NT. She got all of it for me, like for wow. birthdays and Christmas and stuff. So yeah, oh, that's very, really cool. Very cool. She knows about it. Yeah, I I have to give my just on that note, my my girlfriend a bit of credit as well because I I recently got into mechanical keyboards, which bad idea, and I had another one rock up two days ago. And I'm like, man, she's going to notice this. This is a problem because it's a distinctively different looking keyboard because um, half the keys are white and half are black. So I'm like, hang on a minute. I can swap out the black key caps from my other keyboard and she's never going to know. So I did that. Grin to myself. Happy days. She comes home, walks into my room. The first thing she says is, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what's what? <laughs> Obviously, she's a mechanical keyboard fan too. <laughs> Obviously, she is. Yeah, so I have to give her a lot more credit that she actually pays attention to the shit that I do. So. <laughs> All right, uh, that wraps up the news, or does it? Uh, I think we're going into our Minuteman segment. So again, Ooh. a recap of the news: one minute maximum. If uh, Mike fails, then we'll move on to Swinney having to present the. The actual segment. So, and a live live correction. It's not in the minute man segment. It's the minute mic. Sorry. Yes, so you're right. You. You're. Right. I might have <laughs> Until to. Until I fail, it's going to keep being the minute mic. <laughs> I might have to jump into audition and try to re-record the intro. <laughs> Just right. do my best R and B style singing. <laughs> All right, I'm going to put the counter up. So one minute, and if the timer goes off and the alarm goes off, you have to shut up. Okay. For the first time on the podcast. All right. I don't want no minute man. Epic versus Apple Aussie Edition is on again after successful appeal by Epic. Minecraft is adding 19 plus age restrictions in South Korea. What? Tencent will use face recognition tech to limit children playing games in China. Moss Book 2 was announced for PlayStation VR. Dark Souls 3 has received an Xbox X Series FPS boost treatment. Will now run at 60 FPS, but still only at 900p. Sony posted deletes ad showing PS5 upside down. What the heck, Sony? Aussie UP spec gaming's X screen turning Xbox Series X into a pseudo laptop. Jesus Christ, who wrote this? Funded in 20 minutes 
minutes. An unannounced Animal Crossing theme monopoly spotted in stores. A sealed Legend of Zelda sets a new record of 870,000k at auction USD. Red Dead Redemption 2 gets DLSS support on 13th of July. The Witcher 3 next-gen will include Netflix shows-inspired content. Nintendo cross uh, Tag Hauer collab in a Mario-themed watch. And Ghost of Tsushima was removed from the PS Store for the Director's Cut Edition. Why? I don't even know. Oh, there we go. So... That was too easy this week, sorry. Well, we removed a bunch. You removed way too many. Uh, uh, I removed a lot, but you wouldn't have got through it. But also, you can tell the ones that I wrote and the ones that Indy got right. Because the ones that Indy got right, they read like a news ticker. And the ones that I write read like a human would actually say it. <laughs> What's wrong with this? Aussie Upspec Gaming's X Screen turning Xbox Series S into a pseudo <laughs> no, laptop no, funded no, in 20 minutes. That is not how you say. Even Aussie the fact that a sealed legend X-Screen of Zelda too. sets new record, and he had to add a sets a new record. <laughs> and I actually did modify that a bit to trick it. <laughs> What? A sealed legend of Zelda sets new record of 870k at auction. Look at that. That's Bang. Not- so it's a new re- that's not how humans speak. That's how a news ticker that's, reads. That's how a newsreader speaks when they have to get it in there quick. Damn right. That's why my things are so much tighter. But, but yeah, there was a, there was about seven stories I cut because otherwise Mike wouldn't have got. Oh, through there's no way I would have done it. Well, I yeah. think from now on, maybe we do this thing of like it has 200 words limit. I did check it. It was like 280 words the original yeah, but then version. I'll, I'll have to I'll have to screw myself up intentionally to lose. No, no, no. So you won't get 200 go. words. I think you won't. This is less than 200 words. I don't know how many words this is. I couldn't be bothered checking. Mm, but okay. Anyway, this has been a five minute, one minute man <laughs> mic segment again. So Best we'll, segment of the show. Best we'll move it on to my second favorite segment, the bargain bin for the week commencing 11 July 2021. As always, we start with the Epic Game Store. Free games this week are Iron Cast and Bridge Constructor The Walking Dead. On the Switch, we have Jackpo- uh, Jackbox Party Pack 2 and 3, 2 being 1575 and 4. Sorry, I said 2 and 3, didn't I? Sorry. Jackbox Party Pack 2 and 4, the first two <laughs> two being 1575 and 4 being 1980. I, like, I tried to structure that to be better and faster and it ended up being way longer. Mike, save me with PlayStation. Okay, so PlayStation, a few digital highlights, all until the 22nd of July. We've got a way out for $12. That's at 70% off. We've got Bound by Flame at 280 at 80% off. Spiders represents! And we've got uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, the uh, Game of the Year edition. uh, It's not that great of a game. $8. Uh, hey, stop int- interrupting me. Uh, 80% <laughs> off. <laughs> I just wanted that button by flame because we're talking about spiders so much. Um, over yeah, to you, interrupter in chief. For Xbox, <laughs> we, have, we have a couple of edition highlights. Uh, we have Omno coming to PC and console game pass on the 29th of July. And also on the 29th of July, we have The Ascent hmm. uh, coming to PC and console. Is that so, the asymmetric? Yes, it's yeah. uh, like a squad. I, I, I don't know if it's an RPG or just a natural shooter. It's kind of like I have to look up a bit more of it, but it mm-hmm. looks pretty neat. Yeah. Um, there's also a PSA. Uh, so mm. 15 NIS America games are actually getting their prices increased across 
Steam, Epic Games Store, and the Microsoft Store. So, I yeah, this was, I think, reported in a few places, but it was officially announced on their website. And basically, a lot of these 15 games will get the prices increased on the 19th of July. Um, so I'm not going to mention them all, but basically any NIS America games um, that you're kind of been looking out for, just maybe just check. And if you want to play them on PC, that they're not on that list. Uh, otherwise, you might need to need to pick them up in the next week so many of the prices are actually being doubled so some of them wow. are jumping from ten dollars to twenty dollars usd hmm. um and a lot of it brings the prices more in line with other stores like playstation uh, but an example is uh yeast eight lacrimosa of dana is actually increasing from forty dollars to sixty dollars usd so that's a and these are permanent price increases although there are some people wow. speculating that the idea is that they will potentially put them on sale a lot more. Exactly. What after <laughs> increasing the prices. That is the smart so, way to do it. So wait, cool. it, it, oh yeah, I was going to ask Sweden a question, but I think it's got a package from Amazon. Yeah, I do. Apologies. Yeah, yeah go, 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 go. I was just going to, I literally was going to ask him something very specific that Swinney can answer. It's like the most amazing timing because I was like wondering if it's ease or yeez. I thought it was ease. It's Yeezy. Oh, he like, said Yeez, didn't he? I thought uh, it was Ease for the Ease series, but anyway. Don't tell me you're trying to Google this. This is like the worst thing No, I wasn't going to Google it. I was trying to make a joke about uh, what's-his-face. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the first feature segment. Donkey Kong Country celebrates its 40th anniversary this week. Donkey Kong is 40. So the original game was released on the 9th of July 1981 in arcades. Doesn't look a day over 20. And we will be reminiscing over Donkey Kong in general, our thoughts on it, why we love it, why we don't love it. And I'll start with you, Mike. Have you actually played the original Donkey Kong arcade game? Ooh, tough one. I feel like I have, but I can't remember if I have, or Mm. it's like a dream that you've had where you think you've experienced that, but it was just a dream. So I don't know anymore. I don't even know who I am. Is reality real? <laughs> what is consciousness? I don't know anymore. This is what happens when Twenty <laughs> goes off the show. He goes off the rails. This is like the one Tell podcast, Amazon. <laughs> the one podcast we did together, and then Twenty had fifty corrections. Um, no, yeah. so I, I don't recall playing it properly. No, I've seen plenty yeah. of it, but and I've seen the documentary. The what was it? The the Kong one uh, about the high score. Yeah, the, yeah, the King the of Kong. King of Kong, that's the one, yeah, which yeah. is quite fascinating. So yeah. I saw quite a bit of that in there. That's did such you, an interesting doco because they almost need a follow-up to that documentary given that Billy Mitchell yes. has been found to have cheated. And, like, allegedly, I should say. because Allegedly, He does, he does sue everyone. He sues YouTubers, yeah. even. Yeah. So I'm certainly saying allegedly. Uh, we're in Australian law, so you can't get us. Um, <laughs> it's not how it works. But my views represent the views of all three of us on the show, including Swinney, who's not even hey, here. Hey, hey, no, <laughs> no. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> um, Yeah, so now I've played a stack of the original Donkey Kong uh, on the arcade, like both on the physical arcade and then also with MAME and then, yeah, maybe one day with the Mr. Um, so this is the game they also introduced, as he was referred to uh, at the time as Jumpman, now referred to as Mario. Um, so pretty insane that this game, this little game back in 1981, you know, we had Donkey Kong and Mario and they have been clashing ever since. 
This started it all. Mm. And I was really hoping, as I predicted in the E3 predictions, I was so hoping that there would be a 3D platforming crossover Donkey Kong and Mario game. I just think that would be so insane, the possibilities of doing a game like that. Um, and it would have been perfect timing with the 40... 40 year anniversary but uh so what like what donkey Kong country games have you actually played because i know that swinny and i played almost all of them but so a tough one so i played what what was the one that we reviewed last time was it three donkey kong country returns are you talking about or i think it was returns yeah the three the 3ds one i played that one yeah well Um, that was the wii one originally but yeah we released on the the original that was on the wii yeah yeah obviously played uh more recently tropic uh tropical freeze yep and which we'll cover next played, as a which we'll cover next yes i think i played number three the one that's on snes on yep. the classics and look it back in the day i dabbled and played one and two it's just i didn't play it as much as you guys where i yeah, finished yeah. it and did the whole thing so you yeah you're way more versed in donkey kong ish so you never played any of the arcade games even no i don't i don't think i played what i'm seeing on the screen now which is the arcade again i've seen it so many times but i don't think i've ever actually played it properly or if i did it would have been like 10 minutes tops hey swinny yeah like i I still think the original arcade game holds up so well and then donkey kong country jr the one that came after it like those two games are like some of the best arcade games even today, in my view, like even oh, yes, take off the nostalgia goggles. Like they're just so, they're kind of weird. They've got like really weird um, RNG in those games. And, you know, there's so many videos on YouTube. I really recommend people watching it if they want to check it out of like deciphering even how to control the barrels in Donkey Kong. It's very, very cool. But there is some weird RNG that's going on in those games as well, which kind of adds mm. to their charm in a really bizarre way. Um, so we're just chatting, Swinney, just about uh, Mike and his experience. So it's mostly just with the country series, pretty much because of us. But uh, what have your experiences with Donkey Kong been? Yeah, for me, Donkey Kong is a pretty big part of my gaming childhood. So the first DK game I ever played was Donkey Kong Jr. on the NES. Mm. Um, and I just remember that game was fantastic. And it's really unique as well at the time, Um you didn't see many really good, I guess, arcade ports or arcade adaptations on the NES, in my opinion, um, mm. in those early days. Like a lot of them are really rough. But what they did with Donkey Kong Jr., I think, was fantastic. Um, I did dabble with the original arcade game here and there as a kid when I saw it, but it wasn't until Donkey Kong Country 64 that I actually spent a lot of time with the first Donkey Kong and the, they had a playable arcade cabinet in Donkey Kong 64. And I played that for hours Donkey Kong, the original Donkey Kong is my favorite classic arcade game. I love it so much. Yeah. Um, as I agree, I think it there's definitely some wonkiness to it, but I think it holds up better than most other classic arcade games. Yeah. You know, like it would be right up there for me. Like I'd pretty much instantly say it's top 10. And then, yeah, yeah, I'd have to think about it a little bit, maybe top five. Galaga and probably Street Fighter 2, maybe Pippa for me. But yeah, it's right up there. It's such a cool game. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking like prior to 1990s kind of, you know, arcade games. Like, to me, like, you're, I think of, like, your Street Fighter 2 in a kind of another era almost of arcade games. Um, but, yeah, for me, look, obviously after that time, Donkey Kong died off for a little while. Um, and, you know, I know Donkey Kong Jr. made an appearance in Super Mario Kart, which was a lot of people's like, oh, yeah, Donkey Kong Jr. hasn't been around for a while, you know. And then later in, oh, sorry, the before the, 
Donkey Kong Country series, you had Donkey Kong 94 on the Game Boy. And I remember just wanting to play that game, ne- you know, so much and never got a chance until mm. I was a bit older. Um, that's a great game. But, of course, the Donkey Kong Country series. I mean, what can you say? It's just we've, we've spent 50 minutes on previous episodes talking about one, Each two, one. and three, you know. Um, <laughs> I think it's yeah. obvious how much they mean to to us. Well, like right mid nineties is almost like second peak of Donkey Kong because you had yeah, like as you said, Donkey Kong nineteen ninety four. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then like Donkey Kong Country in ninety four as well. Yeah. And then uh, you know Super Mario Kart having Donkey Kong Junior. Just like it was just going bananas, really. <laughs> Sorry, I had to use that one at some stage. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's such a cool like character, and I still feel it's gone back to being a bit underused. Donkey Kong. I don't know if you feel the same, Swinny. I do. I'm. I'd love a new 3D take on Donkey Kong. Um, you know, I think they could definitely do a lot better than 64, and I don't mind 64. But I think you know we're, we're talking about Tropical Freeze very soon. Yeah, um, I'd like to see them actually try and do another attempt at an actual 3D Donkey Kong. Well, you know, I don't want to spruik my idea again because I did talk about it uh, when you went off (laughs) to grab the package. But I I think that idea of a crossover with Donkey Kong and Mario as a 3D platformer, that's that's like perfection for me. I'd be so crazy day one on that. That would be my dream, to be honest. And yeah, just looking through it, I don't even know, when was the last big Donkey Kong game? Like it really was Tropical Freeze in 2014. Am I wrong? Just looking through the wiki. Sounds about right in the re-release yeah, wow. of 2018. The, the only other Jeez. game I really want to just give some love to is Donkey Konga on the GameCube. Oh, yeah, I yeah, yeah. love Donkey Konga. Like, if I had my setup ready for today, I'd be able to show you the two bongo those controllers. Those are the drums, right? The bongo the controllers. Bongos? I remember those. I've got on my shelf behind me. And I remember <laughs> doing the endurance where you play every single uh, song in a row and Don't Stop Me Now by Queen on Donkey Konga was just <laughs> so fun. I love it so much. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I, like, I never boast or anything like that, but I'm a, I'm a beast at that game. That's, there's something about <laughs> it. I'm just like a beast. I just destroy it. I think I remember the first time I played it, your house, Winnie. Yeah. I was, I was I'm like destroying it. Yeah. It was ridiculous. <laughs> like... Um, and then the other one I just wanted to quickly shout out before we move on is the Mario versus Donkey Kong series. Um, oh, yeah, they're great. They're great. Yeah, like just ever, like really underrated series. Like I know that people give it a lot of love, like enthusiasts like us, I guess. But yeah, it still just never is connected with people. Um, it's kind of built on the legacy of Donkey Kong ninety four. Hundred percent, it is. Yeah. No, no, hundred percent, it is. I, I would classify it as almost like a continuation of that series. So, yeah. yeah, another really cool series. Like, there's a lot of cool Donkey Kong games out there, and I would love to own a Donkey Kong uh, arcade cabinet one day. Like, I feel like that would be probably my number one arcade that I'd want to get, like as a physical piece. Mm. I just think it'd be really cool. All right, well, let's move on to our finale of the Donkey Kong Country series segments. Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. So we've been at this for 12 months now. Uh, That's wild, wild. Because <laughs> I, I should have had it in front of me. But when like, when was the first time that we spoke about it on the potty? Was it like episode three or I don't know. It was like really early days. Um, All I know is other podcasts and like YouTube channels will probably cover this in like a month and we took 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're learning, you know, we're just, this is just a little indie podcast. So, you know, don't, don't 
put too much pressure on us. So yes, we have covered uh, the other four games in the Donkey Kong Country series, and now this is our retrospective of the fifth and final at this stage console entry: Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. So I'll just clarify our first uh, the retrospective started in episode five, which was in the sixteenth of August last year. Oh wow! Okay, wow, that's. <laughs> That's kind of crazy, dude. That's kind of crazy. Um, And it's been awesome to go back and play these games. Like, just as the series as a whole, it's just absolutely incredible. No real bad, definitely no bad games in the bunch. Um, But certainly some uh, probably reach heights greater than others. So, Mike, let's, let's, you know, we all have the mandate. Play this game, finish it. It's not too long. 11, I think I finished it in nine hours or something like that. Um... And went back and played a bit more of it. We'll cover that a little bit later. You know, we all take the podcast pretty seriously. You know, massive growth on the channel, massive growth in the, you know, we could probably have to bloody put a Patreon up. I'm, sh- I'm assuming we'll have a couple hundred uh, Patreons straight away. Yep. <laughs> you know, you, you've had a lot of gaming this week. Uh, you know, did, yeah. obviously it's yeah. a big priority. So where'd you get up to in this game? Finished it, of course. Did you 100% uh, it? No, I did not 100% it. No, I didn't. Yeah, I wanted to, obviously. You know, it, was, it was my goal to 100% this game, but unfortunately, couldn't quite couldn't quite do it this week. Yeah. Couldn't quite. Okay, chose no, not to? No, yeah. I, was, I was a little way off finishing it this week. <laughs> so where'd you get but up it was, to? It was a really good experience. I have to admit, it was a fantastic experience while while I uh, I played it this week. Yeah, I'm oh. glad I did. It was, it's a very, it was a very enjoyable, Worldwide? thoroughly fun experience getting... To the end of World One. <laughs> oh man, that's so bad. That's so so bad. Honestly, I got stuck. It's a hard game. No, but I got stuck. Like, okay, this is going to sound really stupid, and might as well get me out of the way so we can talk about it properly between mostly you two. Super enjoyable experience, and then I get to the part where you have to swing off a vine, and then for whatever reason, I can't jump off it. Like, I just keep dropping straight down. And I tried everything, and I'm like, what am I supposed to press? How uh, dumb can I be at this game? But when you're holding onto a vine in these, this game in returns, you just hold across and press A, and it's like a canned... Not a canned... It's like a canned distance that you always travel. when you. It's like an automatic jump when you jump off the vines. Okay. Yeah. Well, in any case, I'm needed. But I will eventually. You are the it. reason why they created funky mode in the I Switch think so. version, <laughs> <laughs> which Swinny and I did not touch. Classic mode, of course. So, so okay. So to do it a proper the this game proper justice, I think you two <laughs> being fans of the series, having played all of the previous ones, I think you hundred percented most of the games, if not all of them. No, you? not me, Swinny, maybe. Swinny? So. I mean, I've definitely 100% the original SNES trilogy. I didn't for returns, but just to clarify, so I played this on the Wii U, so there was yeah. no funky mode on the Wii U anyway. Um, so I played this on the Wii U. You both played on the Switch, is that correct? Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I only use, have I used yeah. DK, though. I didn't use funky. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just clarifying. So we kind of have a, a gauge of if there's any differences there, we kind of know that, you know, the Wii U and Switch and whatever. Mm. But, yeah, I I completed the game. Um, I definitely did 100%. It. It's kind of similar to Donkey Kong Country Returns in the fact that um, I was just happy to just play through um, yeah. and just experience it that way. So Yeah, I'm just actually checking what percentage I got. You know, like we'll cover in overall thoughts shortly. Uh, really enjoyed the game. It was kind of weird because I felt like just like a quick overall comment, I 
actually watched a few YouTube videos just to see what the special levels look like. And I think I would actually like them the most. Yeah, just checking the percentage, I was like 68% at the end of the game. I don't know what you landed on, Swinney. Well, I was skipping all the bonus ah, okay. stuff anyway. No, no, so, fair enough. Yeah. I wasn't but playing I- specifically to find everything. I was just playing through it and then went back and played a little bit more. Um, I have to say, like, getting all the secrets, it's bloody hard in this game, man. Well, let's... Do we watch this one talk about difficulty now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go into it. Yeah, yeah, This... So let, let me finish this whole thing before you jump in. Mm-hmm. This game had a much better difficulty curve for me than Donkey Kong Country Returns. So if you think back... Oh, if you remember, when Donkey Kong Country Returns, I felt that the first 80% of the game was like really kind of easy and then the hard part just came right at the end. There was no real curve for me, whereas this was much better. But overall, this is a much more difficult game than Returns. Mm. Um, so I don't blame you, um, Mike, for for you know struggling with this game at all because it kind of even, yeah, like even like World 2, World 3, that stuff ramps up pretty quickly. But to me, it is a better curve. You know, I think I got to try Donkey Kong Country Returns on the Wii because I think that Donkey Kong Country Returns was harder than this game. So I do wonder if like the 30 FPS or just the differences with the 3DS game and the more cramped, you know, controls like had an influence. Mm. Um, And I don't think it's like a huge difference. And I I agree with your overall assessment, Swinney, that Returns has a ridiculous like curve. Like it's stupid the way it goes. Like I was getting through it pretty comfortably, and then, yeah, the end was ridiculous. Whereas this, you know, I the way I'll just say, I don't think it's, a, like, super hard or anything like that. It's just I wouldn't get through, like, unscathed, like, in a Mario game. You know, like, I could go for a long run without dying in a Mario platformer, whereas this, a lot of times I'd be dying, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm kind of learning the level as I die as well, so. Well, a lot of those deaths um, for me were not, because of my skill, uh, honestly, <laughs> I actually. What are you blaming it on? I should I had, say as well. Look at this. I got this cool Donkey Kong Country share. I forgot to say it in the last segment. Um, because I definitely there's there's levels where I'm like, oh man, I that I need to execute this better. I actually really struggle with this game. Um, I I hated this game at first. I thought oh wow! The first oh, half damn. of the game was terrible. Wow. Um, Wow, so you can't, wow. You can't blame me all that much for getting stuck. Um, there's like the amount of times when I would just like to me, this game took the worst aspects of the first Donkey Kong Country Returns because this is essentially like those two games. I treat them almost as separate games from the original trilogy, they play completely different. Um, to me, it takes some of the worst aspects that I didn't like from Returns and doubles down on them. So the, my hatred for the way that the character mechanics work and that you swap and then, you know, you've got a double jump or a hover and then you don't have it when you don't have yeah, yeah, your yeah. Dixie or whatever. Yeah. They doubled down on that, which is what I didn't like for Returns. And just, like, we'll get to the bosses. The bosses is one of the biggest issues I have with oh, this game. Oh, I, I want to chat about the bosses, dude. Yeah. I want to chat about the bosses. Yeah. The, <laughs> But to me, it's like a lot of the time, it's just something about the controls just weren't gelling with me. But mm. a lot of those deaths were, it's because I was expecting to hover in the air. And I'm like, oh, I've, for whatever reason, I couldn't get used to the fact that you're constantly changing what the jumpy mechanics are. Yeah. And because it's so different now, uh, no, sorry, because they added these extra characters to it. Like I avoided Cranky at all costs until the last <laughs> boss. Until the last boss. So, um, but Cranky's kind of the best character, but it's... So can we just talk about the characters because we keep touching on okay. it. We've okay. got Diddy Kong, Dixie Kong, Cranky Kong. 
Diddy has like a hover that kind of like doesn't elevate, but just like keeps you smooth and go down a bit. Whereas Dixie has the flutter jump type thing where it lifts you up a bit more and then hovers and then cranky. It's more the pogo stick where you can get that really bouncy, almost second jump for lack of the better word. Yeah, it's very ducktailsy. Yeah, hundred percent. Ducktails is yeah the best way to describe it. So, and all of them are different mechanics. So you basically got like four movement mechanics depending oh, on ridiculous. what you're doing. Like, and honestly, I just am random. So whenever I get to the barrels, I just throw them. I don't care who I get as a character, and I just deal with it. <laughs> like that's the kind of way that I played it. I did learn that because you can't when you pick up barrels in this game, you can't put them back down. So if I went to pick it up, I'm like, oh, oh, I know, I hated that. Yeah. yeah. The, but what I did like is because it just some sometimes it'll just be one character and you can't choose anything else, but other times it'll rotate. Um, and what's good is you can actually ground pound to to stop it and then change it to anything if you don't want to like time it. But um, yeah, I just found that cranky was just. To me, being able to hover, whether or not it's like the vertical, more vertical one with Dixie or Diddy, like that was what I wanted. And I was constantly playing through levels with that mentality. And then when I would, essentially, it's the biggest issue and the same with Returns is when I would restart at a checkpoint and then automatically assume that I'm going to be able to hover and then I'll just fall in a gap. It's funny, in my short period of playing, that's exactly what I experienced as well. And it's it's strangely frustrating. And that's why, to me, like if they had done something a bit different there, it would have been much more appreciated for me. But the other deaths that I was talking about are, for some reason, they, they... the levels, they're beautiful in this game, right? Mm. But there's so much going on that there's a lot of times when I couldn't, I thought there was a platform and I went to jump on it oh, and it was okay. actually part of the background. Oh. And I probably died like 10 times in different situations really? where I thought I could actually land on something. Not in every level. There's yeah. certain levels where okay. I'm like, oh, well, I'm dead, I guess. <laughs> so I'm, that's not a platform, you know? I, so. I must admit, there's probably only maybe two times that I can recall that that happened to me. So yeah. it's not like, yeah, I could... I could see it happening. It's not um, a huge issue. Yeah. But, yeah. but just, just quickly touching on the controls, because for me, I actually, like, to be fair, I did have issues with the controls. And then I don't know if this was the same as the Wii U, but you could swap the orientation of the controls. So you can't, I actually really wanted to map the controls how I wanted them. You can't do that. At least on the Switch version, you can go with the kind of classic or, you know, original, whatever they call it, and then alternative control mode. So basically just flips around the roll and the ground pound and the grab from like the, like the trigger, like bumpers to the X and Y buttons. And I felt to me that felt way more natural and I didn't have issues with the controls after that. So I was playing uh, with the Wii U Pro Controller Yep, and just I I was making notes as I was playing and in caps, I'm like, why the fuck can't they let me use the D-pad on this thing? Oh, you can't the use the D- D-pad? Not on the Wii U Pro oh, Controller. Oh, shit, so you can on the Switch. I so... had to use the analog stick, and ah, it's not no, horrible. That's, but... No, that's bad, that's bad. And dude. I'm like, it doesn't serve any other purpose. Why would you not allow the person to, to use it? Yeah. Um, but just like on the control, mm. the only other thing with the control is, and I got used to it eventually, but a lot of the time I would expect when you go to roll, um, you know, a big part of this game is you're rolling and you can jump because you can jump in the air after a roll and stuff like that. And a lot of the, you can't like it, it's, it takes a while before you can adjust back from a roll. So yeah. often I would overshoot, 
where I was going for. So it took a, I just didn't like the role mechanic as much. But look, anything is better than using the bloody motion controls on the returns <laughs> for me. So like in general, um, I was happier from the control step. Yeah, and just quickly on the roll, I did find sometimes I was trying to roll and it didn't trigger. And mm. I think the way, it's, like, it's probably on me. It's not saying that it was coded incorrectly, but from a game feel perspective, it didn't feel quite right. Like, that's the biggest thing I didn't like about the controls. The initiation mm. of the role itself felt a bit like you had to really have a bit of forward momentum before you could roll. And then sometimes I didn't really, like, it just didn't feel right to me, like that aspect of it. So, so. I don't know. Do you want to talk about some levels or the thoughts on levels? And yeah, stuff let's like talk that? about something nice with like the levels, graphics, and stuff, and then we'll loop back to the bosses because I've got things to say. Well, um, I've got I've got a lot of my notes. There's a bit of a mixed thing, but um, levels look. Um, as I said, this is the exact opposite of DKC Returns for me. So th- with that game, I love the first like. Add sixty uh, percent of the levels, and then the last part. I remember saying they felt like they were made by a drunk intern. <laughs> For me, it's almost the opposite. Like I didn't like the first half of the game, but as soon as you hit level four, and I'm like, oh, these are the levels I was wanting to play. Oh, I really okay. like, especially level four and six. I thought the pretty much all the levels except the second to last one. I mean, world four and six, or are you saying four, four, and world four, six? four and world six? Okay, yeah, yeah, cool. So world yeah. six, which is the last level, I thought had easily the best stages i love them with the exception of the last one which is a rambi level i'm <laughs> let me just talk about rambi for one second yeah. i, well, I and we should just say about the animal buddies in general right like it's been a big feature of the games but in this game it only has rambi yeah which is a bit disappointing mm. um but i was really struggling with rambi throughout all the levels that he's in and I got stuck on the last level. So last level before the last boss, which there's a part where lava's chasing you. And I'm like, I just could not beat him. Like, what is going on? <laughs> and you know what it was? I was getting so frustrated. I lost like 30 lives. <laughs> it's because I didn't realize you can continuously run by mashing the yeah, button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just mashed the And when the I trigger. learned that, I'm like, oh, now it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's on me. I'm not going to say that's well, like there was a way. But the game honestly didn't feel like it taught me that. I have to say with this game, and, like, I think we'll actually disagree about this game ultimately, but just in terms of overall thoughts, uh, it just felt like it wasn't playtested or they responded to the playtesting. Because I think you and I are, like, decently skilled players at platformers and games in general, and I just felt like the game at times didn't feel right. Like, that's one thing about Nintendo. Normally I would always say their games have feel very refined, the way that they feel and you move the character and what you expect the character to do based on what you're doing. And this game, there was so many times I had the same experience as you where I'm like, Oh, I'm doing this wrong. But I feel like the way I'm doing it should be the way it should be done. Like mashing. Cause I worked at the mashing thing pretty early on, but I'm like, it just feels wrong. Like with Rambi to be, Oh, I have to keep on mashing the button to run faster. Like, yeah, why? I thought you had to time to repress it yeah. when he was slowing down again, and I just found I wasn't I wasn't able to survive. And I'm like, then I actually had to. I looked it up first time I looked up anything about these games. Like, <laughs> that's I just awesome. looked up someone doing it. I saw them continuously running. Yeah. I'm like, oh well. Then I just figured out. Okay, well, I keep mashing it. But look, I love once again. I love the minecart levels. There's not that many in this one, but I love them. Uh, they had they retro have a real 
knack for creating these cool environmental set pieces. And yes. you see it yes. in all the levels. Honestly, like <laughs> nearly every level in the game is like quick run, everything's collapsing. So I think they, <laughs> they rely on a bit too much sometimes. Sometimes you're like, because the original country games weren't like that. There were some levels we definitely had to escape or yeah. run, but it felt like you had more time to actually kind of approach each area. But I mean, it looks great. The levels look amazing. So yeah, look, and you know, I've shared my thoughts on the minecart levels in the past in our retrospectives. I'm not a big fan of the minecart levels. I totally understand they're iconic. I don't think it's as bad as like you know how um, the turbo tunnels are iconic for. Battletoads, it's really more infamous than, you know, famous, but I'm not the huge fan of the minecart levels anyway in the Donkey Kong Country series. To me, these are probably some of the best ones. Same with Returns. But I'm just not a big fan of it. I actually like the rocket levels more than the minecart levels. I, I thought the rocket levels were really good in this. Yeah, I think that to me was such a cool addition and the way that they've done it. It's That's what I actually like about it. Um, just on the levels itself, totally agree with your thought about World 6. It's really weird in a video game where the ending is better than the beginning. And I Mm. don't share the view. Like for for me personally, I think all the levels are very great and very good standard of levels. Um, It's just that World 6 is clearly the best world. And normally with a game, you're just like, well, most people won't get up to the end of the game. That's just how games work, right? Like look at Mike, right? So I'm still going to play it. No, no, I doubt it. But um. You, uh, you'll see. I'm just the realistic version of you on your shoulders. But uh, with World 6, it's like, it feels like they put a lot of love. And I don't know if you noticed, Swinny, but it is like an homage to Donkey Kong Country Returns. It is. Yeah. Uh, I, it's fantastic. Um, I kind of, I know that these games aren't like this. And if it's like this in the um, extra levels that I haven't seen in either game, I do wish there was more callbacks to the original trilogy, but I know that's not what this is. You know, this isn't a nostalgia fest. This is its own stuff. Um, but, yeah, World 6 was great. Like, Forest Folly was just, oh, to me, my favourite level in the game. That was What number was yeah. that? Uh, I'm not sure exactly. Oh, okay. I think it was, like, probably, like, 6-4 or something. It oh, was basically yeah. all about – it was a simple idea of your – bouncing off things and and holding onto grass and then they swing around and then you launch from you know you bounce off them again it's just but it just felt right to me and click yeah. side slide which is that black oh, and white that's level. such a cool level yeah. oh it's amazing it yeah. has just awesome soundtrack um but i actually really love the water levels in this game i don't yes. love specifically the way the water controls work but i love the levels so on the controls i use d-pad for the entire game except the water levels i switched naturally back to analog to control it better Hmm. Uh, for me just like the three levels i want to shout out uh i'll go to world four in a second but five four so world five level four jelly jamboree don't know if you remember that i've got that in my list yeah yeah yeah, i love that one i love the fact that you're like you know it's it's kind of pure nintendo here's a, a mechanic we play around with it in the level. You need to play around with it to finish the level. And then we never come back to it ever again in any other yeah. level. Like it's just the stuff I love in platformers and it's just such a fun bouncy level, like literally and figuratively. And then the other two, I just wanted to shout out also in world four. I mean, world six, I almost love all the levels in that share kind of your same thoughts around the last one, uh, six, eight, but four, three, which is a miss abyss. It's the one where there's like beautiful atmospheric silhouetting, you're going mm. in and out. It's just visually a tree and just a real fun level. And then the very next level as well, I rate eight. So that's four, four, where you've got this crazy octopus chasing you throughout the level. 
just like such a cool level. I really enjoy those ones. World Four was really a highlight for me as well. Yeah, honestly, once I hit, I was not not having fun playing this game. Honestly, I was wow. struggling. I'm wow. like, oh, I play through one world a night, and I'm like, and then when I got to World Four, I'm like, thank, this is what I was waiting for, and it's just a personal thing, you know. A lot of yeah. people probably love the levels, but um, and then you know, World. Fire Soul and World 6 just, just killed it. So I'm like, okay, this is stuff that I wanted and kind of really saved the game for me. Um, and I don't really, the things, I don't really have any levels I hated with the exception of maybe the last level that we're talking about. Yeah. But I think my hate came from my experience once I learned Rambi, how to, Rambi could run, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't, don't hate any levels, just I, it was kind of, to me, like returns, was so impressive to me with the the level design wow, okay. that a lot of this felt kind of just like more of the same until we got to those later levels. It definitely didn't use as much of the 2.5D nature of like going in the foreground, background as much. It mm. used it as set pieces, but it wasn't like integral to the design of it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I feel like Returns did more of that. I, for me personally, I definitely think this had better levels overall then returns and yeah, like I overall, like we'll we'll get onto it when we talk about the rankings of the games. But yeah, like for me, I didn't feel like there was any bad levels. I I do get where you're coming from. Like even when I looked back, especially more so the heart, the first half of the game, I didn't feel like there were like heaps of standout levels. But I just thought they were very decent Donkey Kong Country levels. Yeah, the level that's playing in our footage at the moment, which is like the sawmill minecart level, I thought was actually really cool as well because they, like, you're on a piece of wood that's been cut off by yeah. the sawmill and in, in a boat and go underwater. I think they did some really unique stuff there. Oh, it's but, very creative, the game. It's, yeah. it's very cool. And then, right, I, I, well, I want to touch on, <laughs> let's get all the good stuff. The graphics, like, just shortly, like, amazing in my view. Like, this is oh, the best yeah, by far looking. And, you know, I know I'm always talking about remakes. I'm one of those idiots that was happy to buy things again. Like, if they remade the trilogy in this style, far out, man. That is, oh, that, that's the exact <sighs> thought I had. I would just love for them oh. to do that. I don't know at some point that would make sense but i don't know why you know yeah i don't know if they ever will just because of nintendo being weird and also rare i don't know the rights to it how it actually works i mean like they have re-released the game so maybe it's totally fine i just don't know i don't know how those things work because you can have a publishing deal for a game but that doesn't mean you necessarily have full rights to do anything with it depending on how the contracts were drafted but yeah i would love that like i would pay a lot of money to play it in this style. And then the music, uh, like probably, uh, just nothing stood out to me. I don't know how you felt about it. There were some standouts. To me, this okay. was a massive improvement over Returns. But yeah. Returns had a right soundtrack. Yeah. But it's it's kind of like off the back of three of the best soundtracks, especially in Donkey Kong 1 and 2, the best soundtracks of all time for, for me. Um, it yeah, was yeah. A bit like, but they got David Wise back to help out with uh, the music in this as well, which is great. Um, still, I don't think it comes close to those first two games, but I love Homecoming Hijinks, or it's also called Snowmad's Island theme. So that's the theme playing on Cliffside Slide. Yeah, I think that yeah. song is amazing. Um, there's lots of great music, but also it's got a really nice version of Aquatic Ambience, which is always great to hear. It does. So. It does. I like that little throwback. That was pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, it actually made me think I didn't really – like think the music was that outstanding it was like just a kind of serviceable for me like you know and it's a very high bar to be fair because donkey kong country as a series for me has some of the best video game music ever like i literally listen to the soundtrack every now and then just in the background of spotify so 
I, I think it's good. I think it's good. Okay, fair enough. All right, well, let's get into the bosses and then overall thoughts. Uh, you want to start? You want to open the batting? Yeah, so I actually, I, I hated most of the bosses, but I actually... <laughs> I love, there I love was, the way you frame it. <laughs> they're sick, they're sick. So most, yeah. I actually like two of them, so technically most. Okay. Um, but they all suffer from the same problem. They oh, just drag yes, on. Yes, thank so you. Fucking oh, long. They're boring. <laughs> you miss one attempt to hit yeah, the dude yeah, yeah. because basically the way they all work is you have to hit the enemy generally three times, then move on to the next phase, and there's three phases. So they're all kind of structured the same way. You <clears> could hit uh, them twice and miss the third hit, and you've got to go through the entire phase of attacks, even if they're easy to dodge. You've just got to go through the motions each time. Unlike a lot of other games where they give you multiple ways to, and some of the bosses you can in this, but there's usually, okay, opportunities to attack the boss at any point. It's just more difficult maybe, you know, during their attacks phases and stuff. Whereas this, there's some bosses where you just can't do anything to them until they've gone through all their phases again. It just drags on and on and on. (laughs) My note was kind of boring to get through at times if you don't concentrate. Like I kind of got stuck on boss two or three. I can't recall now. <coughs> More so, just I found it boring. I was just like, oh, I couldn't be bothered doing this. Like, was it the monkeys or the seal? No, nah, it, no, it wasn't. It was the one after that. Uh, oh, the, the like the guy that had the big like the owl or something. or something like that. I think. Oh, the owl. Yeah, yeah. Owl. I don't know if that was two or three, but man, it was just. I, I was just bored. I was just like, oh my god, I don't want to do this whole thing again. Like, and. Like, my note was a bit different to yours. I didn't think they were... Oh, it's just... I feel like it's such a waste of creativity, the bosses. I feel mm-hmm. like... And this is very arrogant, what I'm going to say is... I genuinely feel like... Can someone put me in charge of how these boss sequences work? <laughs> like, you know, give give me how it's structured right now and let me tune it, Right. Because I actually think the bones of it are so solid. Like, in the way, oh, yeah, yeah. I think the bones of it are literally the best bosses in the entire series, but the way they've executed it is so dumb. Like, their sequences take way too long. Like, and, you know, maybe you do it in such a way that the first time around it's elaborate, and then every time you replay it, it changes the way it works to being it's, quicker. It's just too fucking long, each fucking sequence. Drives me like nuts. The, it's like they took... They go, okay, you have a chance to look at one boss from the original trilogy. Okay, let's look at K Rule 1. You know, the boss that just... Yeah, you to, you yeah. Know, and they go, let's base every boss in this game off that, like, beleaguered boss. But that's a last boss. But even right? that I didn't find as frustrating, actually. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I get what but, you're saying. And it is like that. It's just, you perfectly articulate it. Each sequence where it goes through the phase takes way too long and you can't do anything. To, yeah. to speed it up. And it's just like, why have they done it like this? Have they actually freaking played it? Like, yeah. it seemed bizarre to me. I actually, although I, the, the controls are a little iffy, um, I like the water boss, actually. I thought that was yeah. one of the coolest bosses. And I actually liked the last boss, but that third phase was so frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Because I had no issue getting up to the third phase of the last boss. And then suddenly, like, basically you had to time to land on him during certain sequences and every other time you can't do anything to him. It's like just getting the timing on that. That's why Cranky, I busted out Cranky Kong for that boss because you could... Do the bounce, could, bigger bounces. You could bounce stuff. down. You could basically jump over him and, like, land on him quicker. Yeah, yeah. Because 
I just couldn't get used to the timing of it running underneath me. Yeah. And so just, but just to get through that, I'm like, oh my God, now I have to go through four separate attack patterns <laughs> I know, that I go know. forever that are really pretty easy once you know them. Yeah. Compared to the first boss of, uh, sorry, the last boss of Donkey Kong Country Returns where the attacks were really hard to dodge until you, you learnt the weird tricks. Um, this yeah, was, that was really difficult. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. I liked the boss. Like, I actually liked it much more. It's just that third phase just dragged on for so long. Yeah, it's uh, I, I can't just emphasize it enough. It's 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 so disappointing in a way because I oh, genuinely sorry, we're looking at the owl on the screen now. Yeah. Oh my god! Now I know that what you're saying. It's like it just takes so long. It's just boring. It's just like because like these attacks are not hard to dodge, and then some attacks are like not that easy to dodge. Like this one. Uh, you know, sorry for the audio listeners. Basically, like the enemies are coming down, and you just have to roll at the right time. But it's just uh, it. Like I said, it feels like so wasted promise or premise. Like, like they could have so been many- good. They really could have been good bosses. They could have. I genuinely believe with very minimal tweaks, these could have been the best bosses in the entire series, and would have been one of the standout features of this game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a shame. And then just like related, like bosses slash enemies, I I agree with you. I respect them that they didn't, they pretty much didn't do anything with the Kremlins or, and I don't know what the legal sort of deal with that is. Like, I don't know if Rare owns some of that or how that works. Because it seems weird that they don't reference anything with it. Um, But ultimately, like the Snowmads, I think that's what they're called. Yeah. They're just not like... I don't know. It just didn't appeal to me. Like when I got to the final boss, it was just like, oh, okay, this is the final boss. Like it didn't feel like a big baddie or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't feel very epic, but yeah. Oh, look, I still like the boss more than the stupid, annoying one of the first one. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Cool. Was there anything else you want to cover or do you want to get into just like, you know, given that we've done a retro on all five games, what, where we think they rank? (laughs) I guess, look, I'll just give my overall thoughts on the game. Um, So, as I said, like, I really struggled with this game to Mm. enjoy. I was not having fun um, Mm. until I hit those later worlds and then I started to say, hey, this game is fun, but unfortunately the... It's the uh, I can't avoid the fact that I just didn't like a lot of what they did. Um, So, yeah, I... If we're talking about rankings, well, well, maybe I'll just do my overalls then, since you did. Um, it's just a very flawed game, but I really enjoyed it, and I actually think I'll go back and try to get more of the secret levels. You should check out some of the secret levels; they look really, really fun from a platforming perspective. Um, and there's, I think, about three secret levels for every world, so it's quite That's a lot heaps. extra. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, like I said, they look actually really, really cool. Like they look very, very challenging, and I'm not saying the game's easy, but it just looked like the kind of levels I, w- I would like to play and try to, you know, get challenged by and, and sort of, you know, see where I land on it. So, yeah, like, let's let's talk about how we rank these games. And of oh, course, you've got the visual. You've got the visual. <laughs> You're like, I'm not going to do a visual and then he's done a visual. <laughs> I kept them pretty simple, though, this time. Uh, like, we, let's get through this quickly, yeah? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like, let's be real. Come on. Like, Donkey Kong Country 2 is number one, yeah? We're not even like no, no. That, I'm, I'm, I'm ranking different to you. So. Far out. Oh, what we have our own rankings. <laughs> like You're the one that's done this stupid thing. I'm just like, we'll just list our five rankings. That's it. Oh, so you, you want to have your own, like Swinney? Is this what we're I'm, saying? I'm not. Donkey Kong Country Two is not my favorite Donkey Kong. Why are you surprised by that? <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying. No, I'm. See, okay, listeners. We're not doing a tier list, man. <laughs> listeners, listeners, big wiggers out there. 
this guy, like, he's played the biggest trick of all, like, with Skyrim and everything like that. I thought he was being genuine with uh, Game of Some Other Year. I won't spoil it for those that haven't watched it. But, uh, you know, now I'm very conscious of your tricks, so I have my own little tricks as well. <laughs> so I was just trying to force Donkey Kong Country 2 so to be. The way that you've listed it now, which is Donkey Kong Country 3 yep. as top, Donkey Kong Country 2. I've accidentally Kong, ranked it the way you've Donkey wanted Kong to rank Country, it. <laughs> Donkey Kong Country, Donkey Kong Country Returns, and at the bottom, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze is my ranking. That's funny, man. Did you literally rank it exactly like that? That's my ranking. By accident, by accident. By accident. I, when I looked yeah. at it, I thought, oh, he's going to rank it like this. <laughs> yeah, that's my rank. And Tropical Freeze ended up like redeeming itself but to me returns was just much better i had much more fun i would love to play returns with a normal control scheme i reckon i'd love that game even more yeah so i put donkey kong country last uh let me know, see you're, a hater, you're a hater of that game i just think it's like i i i, I look I, how often do I say this? I think you have a bit of nostalgia goggles on that game. I think the I think <laughs> no, the way that, it plays that game's way better than than the, the new games for me. So no, but that's your opinion, right? Um, I know. Uh, it's goggles, it's truth. Oh, but like you grew up playing, <laughs> I didn't, and you know I had a fresh take on it. So I'll just leave it there. Uh, so that's clearly the worst by any you know objective measure. Uh, <laughs> I put returns actually like four. Ahead of it. Yeah, I still like that more than Donkey Kong Country. And then, like, these three are all, like, pretty tight. Like, I put, uh, you know, Tropical Freeze ahead of Returns, but maybe it's just because I played it on the 3DS. I I do actually think I want to try it on the Wii. And then, yeah, like, these two games are just clearly, like, the the better games, Donkey Kong Country 2 and 3. I actually, like, have to say 3 was, like, over here if it was sort of, like, you know how close it is to Donkey Kong Country 2, but having played the whole thing, and I do want to go back and play more of The Secrets, that game is very, very cool. Like, and I, I do see where you're coming from a lot more. I was very much a stand for Donkey Kong Country 2, but Donkey Kong Country 3 is a great game. I just, yeah, like, um, what's his name? I've even forgotten what the bloody uh, baby's name is. Kitty Kong. I just hate Kitty Kong. Kong as a protagonist. And as I said, you didn't use his coolest move. You didn't know about it. I don't blame you. I didn't move. tell you about it. He bounces yeah. on the water. Yeah, I just yeah. like, but I don't care about that. Like, I, I wish I, maybe I'll play a mod version where it's Donkey Kong that you're playing as. <laughs> nah, you got to use the cool tech. That, that's that's why. No, I'm saying I can use the cool tech, but I just want the model, the character model to be different. I don't know. I just, it's like when people don't like Baby Mario and Yoshi's Island, you know, like I don't mind that, but yeah, I, I get that people Bro, don't wow. like that. So, <laughs> What do you mean, grow up? <laughs> you grow up. I don't like the model. I'm going to model to make another. Oh, I'm just kind of joking about that, of course. But yeah, look, like it does show that these two games, Donkey Kong Country Three and Two, are the clear standouts. I think of the series, and yeah, That's the new ones are, are decent. Like, but I kind of put them all in the same bucket. Like, I could pretty much have Tropical Freeze Returns or Donkey Kong Country in different orders depending on the day. But certainly, two and three are like locked in that order. So yeah, no, it was really, it was actually really cool fun playing through all well, of them. Hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa! Well, you're not doing a ranking. You don't. You have the right to do a no, ranking. No, I know. I know. I don't get to do a ranking. <laughs> I, I, I have absolutely no say in any of this. But, but yeah, we need a clear winner. You can't just have. No, we don't. Yes, no. you do. Well, of course he's going to say Donkey Kong Country two overall. Yeah, but he's saying three. So how are we going to decide? That's his personal favorite. But I think if if we had okay. to say what's Big Wig's official number one Donkey Kong so, Country game, I think it would be number two, right, Swinny? 
Uh, I, I would think... say I would say let's wait for go the game of summer the 1995 to talk about yeah. Cricket Two again. But maybe okay, if we could put a segment on on a on a little hold, and when I play both <laughs> two and three, yeah. I can give my verdict yeah. and decide whether two or three is the winner. Yep, yeah. I'm sure when the tenth. Donkey Kong Country game comes out, you would you would do that. Well, I gotta pl- I gotta play the nineteen ninety five one, so I, I think I'll probably play. <laughs> You're not gonna play any of these games. Well, you have to play three. two. You have to play two now. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, let's get into our final feature, Swinney. Oh, we're doing this, are we? All right, cool. So I played through this week the new DLC for Greedfall called the Divesp Conspiracy. Uh, so I talked a little bit about it last week. So this is bundled in with if you buy the new gold version of Greedfall, um, but it can be purchased separately for about nine to ten dollars Australian, depending on if you're uh, on Xbox, for instance, if you're a Game Pass Ultimate subscriber, you get a little bit cheaper and stuff like that. Uh, I believe it's Spider's first DLC pack that they've done at least for any of the games that I've played of theirs. So you know. I definitely, you know, Technomancer didn't get any DLC packs um, or Bound by Flame or anything like that. Um, so in terms of, I guess, what this DLC is, so the story, I'm not going to get into the story, but I'll just say what I guess kicks it off is, kicks it off with a member of the Divesp family um, arriving in Tifridi, so the island that the game's set on. And the Divesps are an infamous rival family that are also part of the merchant congregation that, like the Desades, Um and who's the main character, Desade. So basically you go to meet this new character, Aurelia DeVesp, and it kicks off this big conspiracy storyline involving your cousin and all these other stuff. Um, so you, I was able to access the quest with my save that was just before the point of no return. So basically I believe you can probably access this. It makes sense. You can probably access this any time after you've kind of probably done the initial stuff on 2.3D because the storyline just feels like it could be placed at any point. Um, and it ties in the main narrative thread, but more of a side story, which makes sense because obviously none of this stuff happened when you played through it originally. But this DLC is really, it's not much to it, honestly. It's pretty short. Um, you know, the we talk about the usage of the term DLC versus expansion. This is definitely what I'd call a DLC. It's like, to me, it was like two to three hours. Oh, it was wow. very yeah, very short. Uh, it comes, there's a new area called um, the Flaming Blood, I think it is. I've got it in my notes somewhere. But, yeah, basically you get this new area. It's not too big. It's pretty similar to other areas in Greedfall, um, and it's not that much to do in it. Like you get some side quests, but it's pretty light in content, honestly. And so I was a little disappointed in that. I was thinking it was going to be something more substantial. Now it's pretty cheap. So well, I'm I was going to saying... say, it's only 10 bucks, right? Yeah, I know. But, but that's this not is... like, can I just challenging both like that dlc on like for the most part is the worst value it's so insane bad value oh yeah generally speaking it's horrible value especially look at forza you pay like ten dollars for one car okay i'm exaggerating but it's close yeah and you compare it to like actually getting the game it's crazy hmm so, yeah, I don't know what you challenged me on that because I hadn't even said my thoughts around any of that stuff yet. But basically, this is this is a pretty small piece of content. And I was ex- the reason I was expecting more was because it's been a while since, like, Griefall came out in, uh, like, September 2019. Now, I know that they probably, you know, it's not like they've been working on this small piece of content since then, but it felt like a bigger thing from what they were really pushing. Um, you do get, look, 
you do get cool, unique weapons. Unfortunately, I couldn't actually use any of them because my character is specced up completely magic. So I couldn't, didn't even have the attributes to equip them. Um, but for people that are, you know, using different <laughs> melee builds uh, and stuff like that, then, you know, there's some cool stuff there. But also half the DLC kind of takes place in existing locations, which makes sense for the storyline. But I'm like, just give me more stuff to do in this new area. There just mm. wasn't that much to do. So, look, overall, you know, it's not it's not bad. Uh, it, it's more greedful. So if you're obsessed with the game, um, you'll likely enjoy it. I, I, I love greedful, but I'm not obsessed with it. So it's like, to me, I don't think it's worth $10. Um, I'd say that this is probably a good $5 purchase for just a little bit more content. Um, I'm had... Honestly, my favorite thing was I was happy to have more lore and background to the characters and the different families in Greedfall. That's actually what I found really interesting, but I just would have liked a more substantial piece of content. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. And you were playing this on Series X, yeah? I was playing through this on Series X. I will be playing through it on PC when I get to a bit later in my playthrough on PC. So Yeah. And so that had the bump up with the next gen update or am I getting confused? Yeah, no. So I was playing. I was playing sixty FPS. Um, it's a little disappointing that you, you know, to it had the whole performance or you know, fidelity mode. Yeah. To me, it's like I just don't understand why this game probably couldn't run at sixty in either. Um, but okay. Yeah, but no, it was it was nice to play at sixty. I will say. It has become a bit of a cop out for this generation, hasn't it? That every game is having a basically a sixty frames per second mode or a four K mode. Yeah. Yeah. Like and like we generally have to wait another generation for 4K 60. <laughs> it's yeah, kind of like yeah. shit. Okay, that's I mean it is the start of well the problem is it's the start of the generation which means uh, on one hand games aren't as optimized. So okay, there's some room for improvement, but on the other hand, games are not as crazy yet on this generation. That's so the thing. Yeah. They're going to become even worse and I think they're going to be even more power hungry as the generation progresses. So I don't know. It's yeah, next generation hopefully. This game looks really freaking good though. I I actually I'm very compelled to get into it. My my only thing is, oh man, how long is it going to take? It, is it a big game, Swinney? How many hours do I need to sink into this? Because this looks like right up my alley as well as an RPG. It's not. Look, it's not a short game, but I wouldn't say it's. It's not like a Witcher three length or anything okay. like that. So it's um, depends if you just want to. If you want to do everything, then it's going to take a bit of time. If you kind of just want to play through the story, then it's not going to be too long. So I, I just I just checked Godfall on. Uh, how long to beat? No, I'm just joking around. So Greedfall is 22 hours for the main story on how long to beat. pretty short. And yeah. 51 so, I mean, for like, completionists. So how much is The Witcher 3 for, for, for oh, the main that's, story? That's just for the story. Crazy, just for the story. Uh, story's like 50 hours. 50 hours and then 170 it? for completionists. Whoa. Because see, that's the thing with with The Witcher. I and I don't know. I'm going to fall into the same same trap with this. I don't. I can never play these games just for completion. We don't need to. I mean, you play the game to enjoy it. If you enjoy no, what I you're do, doing, but I find naturally because I'm I'm a hoarder by nature. I collect things. I have to look at everything. <laughs> I got to explore everything. I got to go through every single bloody conversation that you can possibly have. I got to min max all the shit. Are you Are you saying you're like Sting and you don't like to go to completion too quickly? You just like <laughs> to, you know, carry it on for a, a bit of time. <laughs> Such a mic trick to make. I know. <laughs> it's tantric fall. That's it. Actually, it like the way that the joke, fall. It, it's a perfect <laughs> mic joke because the joke doesn't work in any other way. So it's not really even a joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So does it give the Swinney stamp of approval? 
Greenfall uh, expansion. I mean, can I can I give it a half stamp, like a bit of a, like, <laughs> a soft stamp? A, a soft stamp. <laughs> you can't see all the art parts of it because I half asked well, it. Yeah, you there basically didn't ink it up well called... enough and just stamped a little bit of it. Is is there not an error in the game called small wood? No. Yeah, there is. is it showed it just know. before. Oh, okay. There's an error Maybe called small wood. Oh, would you give oh, it? Sorry, small as in a small wood. Yes, yeah. there is a place well, called small wood. Would you give this game? Would you give this DLC a small wood or a large wood? A mic size wood. A mic size wood, which is above large wood. Very small, very small. A wood fall. A wood fall. A wood fall. All right. Well, I'm going to rescue this while while we still have legs. All right. Well, uh, thanks for tuning into the show. Next week, it will be our one year crazy anniversary for Big Week in Gaming. Hopefully, well, no, it will be with new branding. Mike is going to deliver. New branding. New branding. New logo. Yeah. Uh, Swinny. Face reveal. It's all it's all happening. Oh, next it's week. all happening. <laughs> it's gonna yeah. be a big show. And uh my or maybe Swinney's as well, I'm not sure. Impressions of Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. And HD. HD. HD not that it said uh, it in the thing. And as always, that. if you want to follow us on shows socials, search for Big Wig Pod. That's B-I-G-W-I-G-P-O-D. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Adios. For now.